John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Hi, everyone. This is John Roca. And I am Steve Morris. And uh, we're here to do a special introduction for our reissuing of the broadcast news episode that we did. With the great uh, Kim Masters. Am I correct on that, Steve? That's right. And we might say we're rebroadcasting broadcast news. Yeah, for hey, we're I rebroadcasting mean, broadcast news. Um, once again, you know, for a reason that we are uh, remiss to uh, bring up, but because of the passing of William Hurt at the young, I would say, 71 years old. Certainly for nowadays, 71 is kind of young. Yeah, um, I mean, we, you know, there have been a whole bunch of people in the last year, people like Cloris Leachman and yeah. Ed Asner, and that had lived these, you know, they were in their 90s. Betty White into their Yeah, 90s. Betty White, you know, but this one, 71, is young, and he's such a vital, interesting actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I literally just said to John, you know, off the mic that he is a, he is a completely unique, he's his own thing. Yeah. He's his own time zone. He's a fascinating actor that you could have easily lumped into the waspish 1980s actors that came through, did their thing, and maybe went on their way. But somehow William Hurt, because of his dedication to the craft, because of his unusual nature, his commanding presence by doing very little, has found a connection with a number of film fans and there were quite a number of critics and people of note who expressed their sadness at the passing of William Hurt um, because of these incredible films uh, that he left a legacy of for us to enjoy. One of those, of course, is the one we're going to be rebroadcasting here, Broadcast News. But there are so many through the 1980s and a variety of genres here, Steve. Altered States. Uh, which is essentially kind of an out there film about uh, kind of discovering uh, the different phases of man, the primal nature of man. And Jacob's Ladder is kind of in that uh, conversation with the kind of film that was. Is it real? Is it not real? You know, with the young Blair Brown, Body Heat, which is essentially a remake of Double Indemnity, The Big Chill, which is for some people 
of a certain generation. It is their reunion film to come back together after the 60s and 70s and check in with each other. Gorky Park, which is an interesting Russian film. Kiss of the Spider Woman, which, of course, introduces Raul Julia in this, uh, I think, homosexual character. Oh, no, I think William Hurt's the homosexual character. Raul Julia is this uh, macho Latino and how they interact, of course, based on a play. And speaking of a play, the next film, Children of a Lesser God, which right. is the one that Marley Matlin, who is now has a film, Coda, who is up that is up for Best Picture, that she pushed through and made happen. Uh, she won her Oscar while she was dating him. Uh, and then broadcast news and accidental tourist. And then he starts to kind of go in and out in terms of hits, in terms of status, and then brought back into people's consciousness here, I think, with the history of violence and then into the MCU right. and becoming Thunderbolt Ross. He's such an interesting guy. And I was trying to figure out how to sum up mm. his acting style. And and you know what I think part of it is? He's almost like like if the the method actors those 70s guys yeah. are reacting to you know changes in cinema it's almost like he's the reaction to that you know what i mean yeah, because right. he is so pared down and what's so interesting watching him is that he's one of those people where he's doing so little and yet there's always something going on yeah. like there's all and you don't know what it is mm -hmm. you know like there's some actors i know we've talked about like Robert Redford, you can see his thought process. You know, yeah. you can see what he's thinking. William he, Hurt. He stares. Yeah. And you can see what he's thinking. Yeah. yeah. And William Hurt, you can see that he is thinking, but yeah. you don't always know what he's thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like I think about, uh, I mean, the first place I really discovered him was in Body Heat because mm -hmm. that was one of those movies that played a lot on Showtime or something. And it was kind of sexy and it was in the early 80s. And it was just him and Kathleen Turner and like, who is this? It's such an odd movie. And of course, that creates his relationship with Kasdan, that he makes a bunch of movies with Kasdan. Um, and uh, how are you? What, what's your feel? I feel like we've, I've asked you this question before. But I can't remember now. What's your feeling about The Big Chill? I like the film, but it's not my movie. I think that's not, yeah. that's a baby boomers movie. Right. It's not my movie, even though I enjoy the performances within the movie and the soundtrack, of course, yeah. before Guardians of the Galaxy could call together uh, songs from uh, from uh, certain uh, time frames. This was the soundtrack to have that called together these old uh, 1960s and 70s songs uh, that they were all dancing around to and singing along to, but it's but it's it's a deceptively honest film about the changes that were happening in our country, the hippies becoming the yuppies, yeah, you know, and those maybe some of those now are MAGA people, so we don't know. And so this the thing is, it's interesting to watch the changes in the division from these idealistic te uh, teenagers and, and people in their early 20s in the 1960s and what they became through the 70s. And now in the 80s, what they are glimpsing um, uh, about their lives and uh, how their lives have gone and this whole sharing of, you know, the wives that happens in the movie. It's really kind of more subversive and more groundbreaking than people think. Uh, a movie like that would be in the 1980s you know what's I, I so first of all it was one of my sister's favorite films and i mm -hmm. watch a lot and i too had that soundtrack i'm pretty sure that i put the cassette player up against the record player to record it <laughs> and i remember like because my job uh all through kids was i was like the gardener around the neighborhood so i mowed laws and pulled weeds and that's you know and i had that cassette player with me yeah. all the time blasting out of its little tiny speaker, the Big Chill soundtrack over and over and over again. And I love that music. And it's, it's funny, yes. A, I think 
it would be really interesting to revisit that movie now. Not, I don't know if it's a cinephiles movie, but, but like, just because I watched it a lot when I was in my early teens yeah, and I haven't watched it since now I'm, then I was way younger than those characters. Now I'm way older oh, yeah? than those characters. It'd be interesting to see. And what my memory of it though, is that William Hurt's character anchors the movie in a strange way and that he is, he's got some pain. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Like he, that's, and again, that's that there's something going on with him that you don't get to quite know what it is. Yeah. But there's some pain and some depth to that guy, you know. Well, and, th- and that's always been his thing. He's a reserved guy, and in real life, a very private person, adamantly private person, but also a guy who went through some pretty tough times with his substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And certainly, we're not going to let him off the hook uh, because Marley Matlin called out in her biography some of the sexual abuse and physical abuse. Yeah. She suffered at his hands. Um, but then when they asked her about it, about his passing recently at a Coda, um, or at one of these awards, I think it was, um, uh, I can't remember what award, oh, Critics' Choice Awards, I think it was, E.T. Canada asked it, asked her about it. She said, you're the first person to ask me about it. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, uh, I will remember fondly my time on Children of a Lesser God and uh, my relationship with William, both of us going through our own substance abuse issues at the time. Uh, and certainly William, when the biography came out, said, you know, that was a tough time for both of us. Um, I wish her nothing but, well, I'm so happy for her success. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was 35. She was 19. Yeah. So, you know, the, some two people who were on, who were addicts uh, yeah. at a time when Hollywood was all rife with drugs. And then also both of them succeeding her winning an Oscar very early in her career. Yeah. Like I think in her first big role. Yeah, yeah and, pretty much. Yeah. pretty much. And then him having won the Oscar the year before, I think it was. And so there was a little bit of jealousy here. And in fact, she says that he told her in the limousine ride home, like you, he berated her for winning the Oscar and saying, you should never have won that. There are, there are much more talented people who deserve that, blah, blah, blah. So clearly, you know, some anger within him, some jealousy, some envy, some professional jealousy, but also some feeling like things should be a certain way. Things should be, you should earn this and earn that. And so that, is reflected in some of the characters that he has played in his films. And I think Accidental Tourist is one of these deceptively brilliant films with a with a fantastic performance from him because he has to come to terms with his arrogance and his yeah. ego and his um, uh, idea of how the world works as a, his marriage to Kathleen Turner is falling apart and his fascination with Gina Davis is growing. I I, I think you, you put your finger on the on the pulse here is that, and I've heard this, not, not I've heard the Mar- Marley Mountain story, of course, and I've heard other ones too, of him being a competitive actor, yes. you know, he, a, a, an actor who might undercut his co-stars mm. who might make things a little bit difficult, and, but also one who always turns in the good performance. And in fact, brings out good things out of actors he's working with yeah. maybe because of that behavior. And, and here's, here's the weird thing I'll say is that I have, I, obviously I have no, knowledge of what you know their relationship was like or what right. his behavior is really like i certainly wouldn't excuse what it sounds like some of the stuff he did and that story about the limousine is just fucked up yeah i mean that's just terrible but i also do like people that say the classy thing decades later you know that he said he wished her the best and her family the best and she had a very classy response to yes. his death and i do admire that um i it, it's so funny thinking about his career because there's also 
a lot of kind of smaller roles of yes. his mm-hmm. in, or in smaller films. Like I remember seeing him in smoke. Yes. And he's so good in that movie. It's a really odd kind of little indie film, yeah. uh, but he's really good in it or things like history of violence where he's, you know, really good in that film too. Yeah. Really in that film. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He pops up in these weird places, but delivers fantastic performances. I mean, Wim Wenders film until the end of the world. I that was right at the beginning of independent film and right at the beginning of like, you know, the explosion. I mean, it was right. always an independent film, but the explosion and foreign directors getting a chance to direct these films in America or for American audiences. And I remember that film being, wow, William Hurt is such an interesting choice. And smoke is another example of that as well. The smaller independent film conversations and what have you. Um, and then he pops up in Michael and I've talked a, a number of people tweeted to me how much they love him in Michael, the, the, uh, John Travolta angel film. Oh, that's right. That he's so good in that. And of course, a lot of people love him in dark city, which is a cult classic for sure. a lot of people as well, showing up in these random movies and doing these performances. Uh, and you see him in something like changing lanes or tuck everlasting. And then, as I mentioned, I think I misspoke here in saying it was history of violence. It was the village and then followed by the history of violence that people then started to kind mm. of reawaken to the talent of um, William Hurt. He was also in Syriana, a small part in Syriana, um, and did The Good Shepherd as well, Into the Wild, which is that interesting Sean Penn film yeah. detailing the guy who went out, uh, the, the true story there. And of course, then going forward, as we mentioned, into um, into the MCU and doing those things. So. Just an interesting career that whenever he showed up in a film in the 1990s or early 2000s, he delivered a damn good performance, even if the film wasn't that good. Yeah, totally. By the way, I think, and I'm not 100% sure, I think, because I know he went to Juilliard, and I know he was there in the mid-70s, I think he was in that magical time that was also Robin Williams was there at the same time, Christopher Reeve, maybe Kevin Spacey was there. I I know he went to Juilliard too. I think it's around the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, that's just, you think about these young, that must've, that must've been an interesting party to hang out at, you know? Well, especially with him. I'm sure it must've been. Well, and Robin Williams. (laughs) Two people on the complete opposite spectrum. You would argue. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let let me ask you. So, We we recorded broadcast news. I think it's three or four years ago now. It's a while still, ago. Still one of my favorite episodes ever because of the way we kind of separated ourselves into who we were cheering it was for. Was hilarious. Huh? <laughs> it was so good. Just naturally did that. It was great. Yeah. So I, you know, we've had more years of insane media since. <laughs> what has your feelings about this film changed, or your feelings about those characters changed? No, not really. I mean, I, I still. And more, I, I'm even more entrenched in what I felt about or discovered I felt about these characters as we prepared for that episode than ever before. And I'm even more appreciative of what William Hurt does in the film, um, which I never thought I would be. I, I always thought it was Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks who were the standouts of that movie. Right. But there is stuff that William Hurt is doing here that is brilliant and subversive about anchors that yes. mirrors what Don Henley sang about in Dirty Laundry. Mm. Bubble-headed bleach blonde comes on at five, can tell you about the plane crash with a gleam in her eye. And that's essentially what we see now is that what we see now is the product of those kinds of anchors. 
The talking heads we see now with hardly any information or manipulating information to fit narratives, that's the the next generation that's rebelling against the uh, staid kind of uh, rigid anchors that delivered the news in the past. And so it's fascinating to look at it in retrospect now. It's funny. My perspective has really shifted to part a lot, mostly because of our conversation that day. Mm. Um, but like, cause obviously, you know, I'm the Albert Brooks character. <laughs> Kim was the a Holly Hunter character and you're the William Hurt character. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that I, I, I really, I really disrespected William Hurt's character more than he deserved. Yeah. And there's certainly, I mean, there are reasons to be critical of all three of them. All three of them oh, do sure, sure. really messed up stuff. Uh, but what I think I didn't respect as because I've always been like a, a maker, you know, the person trying to figure out how to make stuff. Yeah. And the person I didn't, the person that can walk on in front of camera amidst a ton of chaos yeah. and calmly do that job yeah. and do it with connection and emotion. And then you watch Albert Brooks, a brilliant human come in and try to do it and just completely fall apart. And I'll tell you what part of what's made my, it's not that I didn't respect that before, but you don't get it until you get it. And like doing not just this show with you, but more so coming on YouTube with you yeah, yeah. and being on camera and going, this is now <laughs> like there isn't another moment. You have to say the right thing right now, you yeah, know? Yeah. And yeah. it's hard. So many people have said that to me in the past, how, how aren't you afraid to do stuff live? Aren't you afraid to do this? And I go, no, it's very natural to me. Um, my girlfriend goes insane how much I, I talk on these shows and do all these things, but it's it's very natural to me, and and it's why I do this over acting, right? Because it feels natural to me, and people on the outside can look at it and say, "Oh, I can do it; it seems easy." And then they step in there, and it's a whole other ball game. Your words all of a sudden leave you, your thought processes leave you. All those kinds of things can happen uh, as you learn how to get better in doing it, and that's the process, you know. And so, yeah. It's funny. I, I'm very. I I feel really actually the same way. I'm not scared going on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't because I I like it. And and what's weird is I really figured it out when I was doing film festivals with the assistants, uh -huh. and you'd have to do a Q and A after the film festival. Yeah. And people came up to me would come up after and say, "Wow, you're so good at that Q and A thing." And I was like, "You know what? I've waited my whole life for someone to ask me a fucking question. You know what I mean? Like I have all these thoughts and I've never had an opportunity to say them. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that, you know, having a place where there's people that want to listen and I can talk, it feels really, really good. But I also think, cause, but I also imagine like, imagine someone's handing us the latest news story yeah. and we have to suddenly change gears and interview this person and keep that conversation to the shortest amount of time and make sure to mention this other thing and make sure to bring in that fact and not get anything wrong. Man, that's fucking hard. Yeah. Or fun, depending on your perspective. For well, me, it's, it, fun. Think, it's so funny. Someone, someone said, I was trying to explain this to someone recently. They said, oh, you're so lucky you do things that you love. And I was like, yes, I am. I'm totally lucky. I do love this work. I really enjoy it, but it's a lot of fucking work. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that it's always fun mm -hmm. just because you love the work. A lot of times it's a slog to do the fucking work you love, you know? Yeah, sure. I'm sure William Hurt felt that way on many occasions uh, well, and how he approached acting as well. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that the characters in broadcast news, Holly Hunter's characters and Albert Brooks's character, they're all going through the slog. Oh, yeah. But trying to make the thing. Which is why they go through the slog. Yeah. They, they, all three of them love what they're doing. Um, and he's the least judgmental person absolutely in the film, even though 
he's also the one that commits the crime. Yep. Of manufacturing the tears. Yep. So that's the other side of it. Oh, he's not judgmental. Right. He doesn't judge himself either. So that's, well, it, he, I mean, he is, he's very pure. Yeah. In his way. Yes. In his, Albert way. Brooks is more self. Well, I don't know. It's hard to describe. He's super self-involved. It's yeah. all about him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it is. It, they are a fascinating yeah. threesome of flaws. Agrees. Agreed. And, and amazing and amazing traits. They're all amazing in their way. Yeah. And certainly William Hurt stands out now, I think, in retrospect, as we were pointing out. And so, you know, we've we we've lost him. Unfortunately, at, as we said, in early 71 years old, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, terminal prostate cancer back in 2018. And for those of you who've lost someone to cancer, you know, cuck fancer. I feel the same way as yeah. well. Um, and he passed away in Portland, Oregon, you know, so um, at least in a place like there. I mean, Portland. In certain areas, a very nice place. If you're going to go away, that's a place that you can commune with nature and go away in such a positive way. And it makes sense because also Portland's kind of way out there, you know, and so an interesting reflection of who he is as a person or was as a person, shall we say. Um, all right. For Steve Morris, I'm John Roca, and we present to you from the Cinephiles our rebroadcast of Broadcast News. Enjoy. I grant you everything. But give me this. He personifies everything that you've been fighting against. And I'm in love with you. How do you like that? I buried the lead. Welcome to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, writer, producer, and host over at Collider and numerous other podcasts you know me from. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited for our guest, and I couldn't be more excited for our film. So this is going to be a very well, special episode. This is a huge films. movie for you. Yeah, massive. Like Since I mean, I had this on beta, so this is how deep I go back with this movie. And I, we're very happy to welcome someone who brings some real journalistic credibility <laughs> to the cinephiles. She's wor been worked at the Washington Post, Time, Esquire, Vanity Fair, editor-at-large of The Hollywood Reporter, and host of KCRW's The Business Kim Masters, welcome to the Cinephiles. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, it's so funny. I've I've been listening. I've listened to the business for years, and so I'm so used to having your voice in my headphones as I wander around. And now I have your voice in, in my, my headphones, headphones. <laughs> <laughs> but you're sitting right in front of us. Yes, yeah. here I am. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's funny before before we get started, I have a question I've been wanting to ask you because oh. because there's something Surprise that we, we've <laughs> dealt with. There's something we've dealt with quite a bit now on the Cinephiles, and since you've been very much at the forefront of the Me Too reporting and dealing with, you know, long before we even had the term Me Too. Right. One of the things that I really struggle with is what do we do with the movies? You know, and I was wondering what your feeling is about watching and, you know, these amazing films by these people that are been revealed to be pretty wretched characters you know well i don't think we destroy movies or get rid of movies i mean we don't take art off the walls and we if we go back in history we would find that many artists would have to have their works taken off the walls you know picasso yeah, Gauguin, uh, one or another uh i think it unfortunately does somewhat taint our experience of the work yeah but 
the work is the work. I mean, I think it's like there's a whole thing now with Roseanne about what, can, yeah. where can you mm. can you find this one still has her shows on. Well, you know, the original Roseanne was not caught up in all of this. That's right. Mm. She was not, as far as I know, publicly, you know, there was no social media. Where she was obviously very difficult, but she wasn't expressing these incredibly toxic views to the world. Right. So, you know... I I think that show has a tremendous value. I think obviously these movies do. Maybe for us, we'll never be able to watch Manhattan. Certainly, I was. Yeah, I actually Manhattan's have to say, I think Manhattan's a confession. Yeah. And even at the time when it came out many years ago, when I was much younger and we were not living in this particular environment, I thought, is it me or is there something just deeply, deeply wrong with this? You know? Yeah, sort of creepy uh, about it because she's so young in the movie. He's in high school. He's, yeah, and he's yeah. so much older. And what yeah. is this is almost validation for that age difference. And I know uh, Steve and I have struggled with addressing a Woody Allen film on the cinephiles. And that's something we've gone back and forth about. So especially Manhattan, which is one of my favorite films, yet also... Uh, uncomfortable, yeah, you know? Creepy. I mean, I think that you just have, you know, for us, I think it's always going to be uncomfortable to watch well, knowing what we know, you know? Well, and I think, you know, this is the thing that we've we've been dealing with a lot because it's what we do is that um, how we look at these movies change. And in fact, uh, the movie we're talking about today, which is Broadcast News, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is an absolutely fantastic movie. And yet there is a moment in this movie that I went, oh, Yes. Um, I need to know what this phantom moment is that you all... Not you, that I can't phantom. wait to yeah. talk central. about. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm assuming we are talking about the same moment. Well, it could be. <laughs> you know, Because I noticed a moment to rewatching. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, so, uh, Kim, do you remember how you first came to this film? Let's see. What year was broadcast? It's 87. 87. Where the heck was I in 87? I wasn't even anywhere near Hollywood at that point. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so I didn't watch it from the point of view of anybody, of a person who knew anything, anything. I mean, when I say I didn't know anything about Hollywood, take me at my word. Like, I could not have named three major studios. Like, if you said the name, I might say, oh, I've heard of Paramount. But if you asked me to rattle them off, I would have been blank. So I went to see it. And, of course, as a journalist, and I was a print journalist, and you may recall right. that there's at the beginning, there's all this talk amongst the TV people saying, you know, print isn't so great. And they had this inferiority complex that they had. So I kind of liked that. But I, what I really related to so much was that Holly Hunter character who I felt was, I don't, I don't get up in the morning and, and weep. But <laughs> aside from that, that is me. And I, I recognize myself in a way that I have never seen myself on screen before. I think that's one of the amazing things in this movie. And I've mm -hmm. talked to so many women who felt that. And and I don't think there'd been a movie like that with a character like that before this. Mm -hmm. And she was so, Holly Hunter was so brilliant in that role. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I noticed when the credits came up, she was not listed first or second. Nope. And I think that was a breakout for her. Raising Arizona was the one that really announced okay. her, but Broadcast Did News see. is the one that put her as a pillar of right. someone to... And this yeah. is her second film. Yeah. She had made Raising Arizona when when this was made, yeah. but James Brooks hadn't seen it, hadn't come out yet. So, you know, he cast her off of theater things and from auditions. Yeah. And to, to be a star like this... Amazing. And, absolutely amazing. She mm -hmm. totally inhabits that role. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean... I recognized her as me. Yeah. I mean, and other people recognized her as me. Yeah. What about you, John? Well, um, I, this was just when I was starting to get into film and study film in maybe, yeah, high school, middle of high school. And uh, this had been recommended, you know, because a couple of my other friends had gone to see it. Uh, and I went and saw it in the theater and I fell in love with it. Being a news junkie, a political junkie, and then also beginning the idea of studying human behavior this film i just knew 
what this film was when I saw it. And I became addicted to the film in a way that I had never been addicted to any film before. And I remember buying it on beta and I would watch it almost every day. Like I would wake up in the wow. morning and I would watch the movie and eat breakfast. Wow. And this was back before I could, like nowadays I, I would never do that because there's so many movies to watch. But back then there was only so we didn't have a lot of money. So the things that we got, I would like. Well, when you owned a movie. Yeah, I mean, when you, like, you just watched, you just watched yeah. it over and over It's again. crazy because it was this and Rocky Three. These are the two things that I owned. <laughs> okay, I'm which trying is... to draw that connection, but go <laughs> I'm, ahead. I'm a very weird guy. So, but, but this one was just so, so because I just, from a young age, I was very involved in politics and learning about politics and growing up around D.C. You have no choice if you have that addiction you, it can be fed in so many ways in dc and seeing that movie yeah and i'm also from dc yeah. and i had the same you know i grew up in the middle of all kinds of political stuff yeah i mean i read the washington post every day like i would we get it delivered specifically for me and my dad to read the post every day since i was like 12 and so it was just always in but the thing that you bring up about holly hunter Harris is, is why the film has always stuck with me this is such a presentation of a matter-of-fact woman. There is no sexuality here that's overt. There's a, she's, she's a brain. Well, she's, she's attractive and of course, yeah, she is, of course, she's incredible. But she's beautiful. not trading on it exactly. At all. Even yeah. that moment when she when she uh, which we'll get to when she berates William Hurt the first time in her hotel room and he leaves her. The way she takes off her pantyhose is so matter-of-fact. There's nothing sexual about it. It's just real. And I'd never seen what you just said. I'd never seen the portrayal of a woman like that in a film before. And I was so entranced by that and the differences and the the scenes you just knew instinctively these are some incredible dialogue in these scenes so I rewatched it over and over again and then I broke the beta tape from watching it so much and then I, re I recorded it off television on a Memorex broke the thing off back in the old days on a VHS and then I just kept watching it over it was just something I've always had and I bought the Criterion as soon as it came out on uh, uh, for sale um, it's funny so for me uh, I didn't see it in the theater mm. I heard it was really good Rented it when I was, you know, sometime in college. Loved it. Watched it a few more times. Didn't watch it again for 30 years. Wow, really? Until last week. And you're, you're a mad news and political totally. junkie, There's too. Ab this movie is so much about me and what I like and yeah. what I think. And for whatever reason, it, I never came back to it. And I love this movie. I mean, this we've had other ones on the show where we talked about where I kind of said, this isn't my movie. And that's why I didn't watch French Connection over and over again or something like that. But this one, this is my movie. And yet, I hadn't seen it in decades. Wow. But I absolutely adore it. Who do you identify? Do you identify with the Albert Brooks character more? Not only do I identify with Albert Brooks, <laughs> which is saying something because he's he's got nothing but brilliant lines through the whole. But thing. but but throughout, we're watching it. Karen and I yeah. are watching it last night, uh, and this is my wife. And Karen repeatedly, yeah. at least five times in the movie, turned to me and said, "You're Albert Brooks. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're Albert Brooks. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that's you. Oh, it's, I mean, like over and over again." Funny. Uh, well, yeah, 100%. We've got, we've got all three sides represented because I really enjoy William Hurt. You want to be William Hurt? Very okay. much. I feel like fascinated. I understand you. You don't want to be that dumb. Though. No, 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 no. But I, I, res I, I uh, identify with you some are of the things he's though. trying I mean, to do. No, stop it. But, like the, <laughs> but this is definitely true. And I can already, just from the uh, short amount of time with Kim, I can definitely tell the Holly Hunter thing is a connective tissue with you as well. It's great. So before we jump into the movie, I want to talk a little bit about James L. Brooks because he's such a fascinating person. Um, you know, and it comes into being a big time film director in a completely different way from other from most other directors. He starts off as a a writer and he writes for the Andy Griffith Show and for My Three Sons wow. back in the classic days of comedy. He does Room uh, Two Twenty Two, which was a really groundbreaking series at the time. And then when Grant Tinker is starting up MTM and is going to start the Mary Tyler Moore Show, he comes onto the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And we can't say enough about 
about how important and groundbreaking the Mary Tyler Moore show is in terms of comedy and in terms of the portrayal of women in television. And it starts in 1970 and it completely changed the landscape of TV. Absolutely. Well, that um, stunning stuff that was. Mary, Mary Tyler Moore was just so extraordinary in that whole Grant Tinker era. And, and there's a clear connection between yeah. Mary Tyler Moore and broadcast news. I mean, there's, you know, really. And then from Mary Tyler Moore, he's the guy that's in charge of creating Rhoda. He creates Lou Grant, which I think we've talked about before on the love show. Lou I loved Lou Grant. I loved Lou Grant. That was a great. And again, there's a connection there. This idea of talking about journalism and these kind of characters that come in. He creates Taxi, creates the Tracy Ullman show. And of course, on the Tracy Ullman show, he's the guy who found Life in Hell and Matt Groening. Mm. And so without James L. Brooks, there's no... Simpsons. What yeah. a cultural impact. I mean, yeah. this is a huge... And what's so bizarre about this is I can't think of anybody else who has the, the top of the television pyramid and is so influential and then says, I'm going to go make movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just an amazing transition because it, particularly at the time, TV is really disrespected and people didn't go that way. Um, and he goes off and he makes... Um, Starting Over is his first film, which I don't think I've ever seen. Oh, the Burt Reynolds one. Yeah. Yes, I've yeah. seen that. I'm trying to remember if I've one. seen it. I can't really <laughs> conjure it. And then and then the second movie is Terms of Endearment. Oh, which yes, is... that one I remember because I felt very resentful of the marketing campaign. Oh, oh what was the Because it was presented, if I remember, and I was totally a civilian when that movie came out. I was very young and had no no sense of anything to do with... The industry, but uh, I thought it was going to be this sort of romantic, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> right. Oh, no. And then I'm sitting in the theater. Just oh, my God. Bawling. Erect. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, damn you. You didn't warn me at all. They, I mean, I can see why they wouldn't want to say, hey, come watch this. And cry for a, a couple A movie hours. about somebody dying. Yeah. yeah. But um, I was not expecting that. Yeah. And and it shows the thing we see from him, which is so brilliant, is this mix of real human emotion and real comedy and, oh. and real sharp, smart, interesting characters. And, of course, the next film he makes is Broadcast News. Um, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like, what a, what a tremendous trajectory of a career. Mm -hmm. um, and I would talk just really briefly about pre-production. The, the big thing I want to say is something that James L. Brooks said is you cannot do enough research, which... You know me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. what I think too. Yeah. And uh and he started he had this idea for a movie about a love triangle and in in a news network news environment. And so he went, he started at the 1984 Democratic Convention which was in San Francisco and meeting with reporters and he spent a long time meeting with reporters. And he talked to Diane Sawyer and it's Diane Sawyer who sent him to Susan Zarinsky and Susan Zarinsky is the key, I think, the key person to this film. Although I think there's various people who feel yeah. that they contributed something. There to are, that. and there, in particular, I think two other women. But she was the one on the film Got throughout it. the whole thing. You know, she created all the news stories. She wrote wrote all the copy, and we'll wow. get into some of the stuff that she Amazing. did. Amazing. Yeah. it's like he did. He got that world very well, and I don't think there's that many people who could get that so em empathetically, who who could just understand all the nuances of what the arguments are about, you know, and why why this is a thing, and how the motive, how these people are motivated. I mean, I don't think that many people can attune to journalism in that way. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the key is having uh, Susan Srinsky on the set. She's on the set every day. Yeah, and she has know. to say that's not how it would be, or that right. rings false to me. And she's a major CBS executive producer. Mm -hmm. And also, she uh, would set aside time to cry. That A lot of that comes from her. <laughs> yeah, I was like, 
that's not a thing for me. Just, I, I just, that's one of the things that actually baffled me about the character. It is yeah. such a bizarre thing. It blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. first time I saw it, I remember that. I'm like, whoa. Uh, shall we start the film? Yeah. The movie starts with these amazing three introductions to young versions of our main characters, starting with 1961 in Kansas City, and it is the William Hurt character. And we see this kid, and he's a blonde kid. He's wearing a red hat. By the way, red has a significance throughout this whole film. And he's talking about, everyone talks about how good-looking I am. Be honest, what are you supposed to do when people keep commenting on your looks? I don't even know what they mean, beat him off with a stick. (laughs) <laughs> it's such a fun- and yet he's struggling in school yeah because he's kind of he works hard but he can't he just can't get and, there and there's this moment where he says oh i'll just work harder and then he says i will 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 thanks dad this talk helped it's a perfect nailing of who this character is going to be well, I think all three They're of those amazing. little vignettes with the three kids were, I mean, I somewhat forgotten about them because I haven't watched it as many times. And I thought, oh, my God, this is brilliant. I forgot the, how perfectly the the kid that plays the young Holly Hunter oh and God. the Albert Brooks character when he yep. I, it's one of my early favorite moments when they he these kids are beating him up because he's this brilliant young kid in school and yeah, graduating at 15 the big guys yeah are beating him up and he says to them what I'm gonna say can never be erased it'll scar you forever ready here it is you'll never make more than $19,000 a year ha 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 and one of them goes that sounds good. That's pretty good money. <laughs> well, and it's so funny. At that moment, it says future reporter. Yeah. And then when uh, the William Hurt little kid says, I mean, What can you do with yourself? Well, all you can do is look good. And it says future <laughs> networking, man. That is amazing. And then, of course, we go to the Holly Hunter character and she's typing away as a, you know, to her pen pal or something. Yeah. And dad comes in. And tells her. No, she, yes, he tells her not to become obsessed. Obsessive. And she then has to give him a lecture. You want me to choose my words so carefully. Then you throw a word like obsessive at me. Now, unless I'm wrong, please correct me if I am. But obsession is practically a psychiatric term concerning people who don't have anything else but the object of their own obsession. Well, here I am stopping to tell you this, okay? So would you please try and be a little bit more precise instead of calling a person something like obsessive? (laughs) (laughs) And that, in fact, it proves that she's not obsessive because she got up and left her letter to go tell him. Or proves that she is obsessive (laughs) because she can't let it go. But of course, that is what it proves. (laughs) All three of these scenes are great windows into what you're going to see. Even the characteristics and the way they behave, the way she uh, pulls up her sweater. She yes, does that throughout exactly. the movie. And even, I mean, oh, that's I a great gesture. That. Those are little things that let you a window into her and that accent of hers, the Southern accent, that's just there mm-hmm. on the fringe. And then you've got uh, the William Hurt thing is brilliant because it is kind of interesting to see this window into him repeating something. This is his mind yeah. before he gets older because when he gets older, he's not going to do that out loud. Right. But right. And you sense that he's going to do this resolve. for the rest yeah. of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the I don't it's hard to talk about like which of these actors uh the adult actors yeah it, like are doing the most amazing performance and it's really it's not possible it's yeah. they're so, all so good and what mm-hmm. what what is set up with this William Hurt character is the he's not that smart but there is a certain thing to him and, yeah. and we're going to get into a lot he's of it. so perfect because huh. he's he, well the ghost well I don't want to advance too far but this moment where Albert Brooks described 
what's what the devil is like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's that is that nuance of where he's kind of funny, kind of charming, kind of dumb, nice. but yeah. capable of making the occasional yep. clever comment and just <laughs> kind of super good looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, little by little, and erode our standards. <laughs> yes, little by little. Um, and as as the little girl version of Holly Hunter is walking by, we dissolve, dissolve to the adult Holly Hunter picking up uh, some newspapers. And and so, by the way, we already talked about this is her second film. She was cast two days before this movie started. Oh my god! What? Two I days. No idea. And the reason is is that originally. Deborah Winger was going to play this part. Oh, and then things started going south with Deborah, Deborah Winger. No, she was pregnant. Ah, uh, she was well, pregnant, so okay, she couldn't that do the movie. Would be a problem. I could see that. I, uh, I think it's better with Holly, but I can see it with. Deborah. I a hundred percent can see it, and I am so glad it's Holly Hunter. Yeah, because there's nobody. Lo- Holly Hunter is so. I mean, Deborah Winger is great, yeah. particularly in this era, but. But I mean, you can't. Yeah, I don't, it's it's like Holly. trying to imagine somebody else being Rhett Butler. You just yeah. cannot get your <laughs> exactly, mind to yeah, understand. Right. Or, you know, the whole thing with 48 hours where I think at one point it was supposed to be Stallone or something. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what that is, but I can't visualize yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And then we have Holly Hunter in the hotel room. She's on a phone call and then she calls Albert Brooks. And you could see just the little, you know, this immediate connection between these two really close friends. Yeah. Which she is hang- so beautifully portrayed. Oh, it's mm-hmm. perfect. She hangs up the phone. I love that she t- unplugs it weaves the cable underneath the handset sits down very quietly and at this point in the movie you're going what is happening right like you have literally no idea what's about to happen and then slowly but surely she begins to cry (laughs) it's so odd it's an OCD situation, the way she does it, because she takes the plug yeah, out. Yes, and she does it thing. later in the film. Yeah, she does it exact move years later. It's so she can't be bothered, so she can have this right. moment to let it out and then be done with it. Yeah. And uh, then we're out at a bus trying to get a story, and there's this veteran getting off the, the bus, and Albert Brooks is trying to talk to him. And then we immediately kind of go into um, the tape of this scene where that guy getting off the bus just yells at Albert Brooks, <laughs> and he has a very funny one-liner back. Right. Fuck. 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 You want to use that? Depends on how big a news day it is. Thanks. I can't believe you said that. I'm very proud of that. And again, you see this working relationship and the sense of humor between these uh, two characters. Mm -hmm. And the brilliance of Albert. I mean, he has the most amazing lines in that film. I mean, you have to... It's it's breathtaking to write that clever dialogue. I mean, obviously... You had time to think about it. And yes. Albert, Albert Brooks looks like he's just popping out these brilliant little lines. Well, but. and my assumption, and this I don't know at all, and James O. Brooks is a fantastic writer, mm. but my guess is some of that's Albert Brooks because he is so he is. Who knows? It's he two is, brilliant minds. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Mm. Um, and of course, the connection ends because he says you got to go work on your speech, and we find out oh, there's this speech, and she is very scared of doing it and then we cut to the speech oh, and this awful speech <laughs> and she has reason to be scared of course what she's talking about is really important right yeah you know which is the change in journalism and in network news television we are being increasingly influenced by the star system the network anchormen are so powerful they comprise our last best hope <clears throat> our profession <clears throat> is in danger it's the theme throughout the movie, this yeah. idea of what's the exchange. It's a transition time, right? 
and which mirrors what's actually happening in yes, the country. Progressively getting dumber. Yeah. Well, yes, and and needing to be feel happy while we're watching the news. When in the old days it was Cronkite, it was Edward Murrow, it was those people who were just laying out what's happening. And as we're transitioning into more of an entertainment society, the idea of having to present the news so that it's to have these nice puff pieces that make you feel like you can still walk out of your house the next day, even though you know there's all this crime and the world is ending and nuclear war and all this kind of stuff, you still see a, a little squirrel on, on, on water skis and you're right. okay with it. And, and that's what she was talking Wait, about. Wait, a, squir- a squirrel on water skis? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, exactly. That's she, amazing. That, that does sound amazing. Yeah. Well, she, sh- she chose the dominoes and yeah. they all start applauding when she's trying to make a point that yeah. this is idiotic <laughs> and a waste of, of time. And they're like, oh my God, this is great. And you say, I, and I swear William Hurt's character is sitting in the mm-hmm. in the audience, is sitting with this woman and I, I, I thought, is that the same woman who, it, like, she looks almost exactly oh, as who he ends up with? Almost exactly. Yeah. I couldn't tell. Is it? It oh, I be. don't know because I, I'm be. not that great with faces. But when at the end, when you yeah. see her, I thought, wait a minute, is is that the same woman or just a, a, a clever callback to this woman who looked like the identical, stereotypical blonde right. on TV? By, by the way, and this is a very small bit of directing, but the way she has her forearm on his thigh yeah. is so <laughs> intimate and unusual. And I and I can just see, like, first she just put her hand on his thigh, and he's like, no, no, no. Slide your arm down and in and up. And it is, a, and then she has this line. Yeah, yeah. he, he kind of says, wow. Yeah. And her, she has this line that's like, oh, I've known so many women like that. You don't like their lips to the end. Which is a prevalent thought in the female community. I've heard this sure. both sides. It's an interesting it's thing a, to like explore. sorority mean girl. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But it, it also is a power dynamic, which you point out, Steve, because he is on the edge of his seat, leading yep. in. She's the one that's trying to create physical contact right. he's, with him. He's fascinated. He's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's never seen anything like this before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and one more thing about the dominoes. They shot that for the movie. Oh, really? And it is a really that impressive, is an incredible. Beat. Yeah. It is an amazing domino yeah. thing. And and it is, you know, like here she's saying something real and important and everybody's walking out. Right. And then she shows the thing that's supposed to be stupid and everybody cheers. <laughs> True. Um, and after after the movie, there's just a great little button where the guy, she sits down, dejected on a chair, and the guy sitting there goes, I don't think there's going to be a Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who's the same guy when he does a speech later at the end of the film that Tom does, that's the same guy. Sitting there oh. next to him, yeah, in the glasses and everything. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is what you get from wearing out a beta tape I'm just, yeah, I'm this just, movie. Yeah. You got to find out about that woman, though, if it was the same Yeah, one. <laughs> that's one thing that slipped that slipped through my cracks. <laughs> and, and by the way, so now we're in this empty hall, and in walks William Hurt, and the color of the chairs are red. Mm. Red happens almost at all these key moments for William Hurt. The devil color. The, yep. Also red flag. Yep. Right. Throughout, throughout, throughout the film. <laughs> and he comes in and that's says... Great. That he was impressed, that he liked the show. But here's my, how sincere is he? I guess that's really my question. I think question. he's absolutely sincere. Oh, yeah. He's a guy who's capable of seeing that there is something better than what he is. And mm-hmm. he so wants to be a part of it. And he absolutely lacks the necessities. He's an incredibly self-aware guy, but also not self-aware at the same time. Because he knows what he's missing and he knows who to go get it from. But he's also he's unaware. He's ambitious. Yes. He's, he's ambitious. Yeah. He, he's like, I may not have it, but by God, I am going to rise in this profession because I, I have something else. 
Right. It's exactly what the woman said in the beginning. Like, yeah. Yeah. Unha- the others are unhappy with their looks, but I have the looks. Right. I'm unhappy with my education or my intelligence. Well, it's really his intelligence, because yeah. obviously he could have taught himself, but he couldn't learn. Which will come up in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> because because then she, she, we're going to go out on a date. Yeah. She, she, asks, she asks him to dinner, which I think is awesome. Yes. She tries to to have her way with him. <laughs> Well, this is the this is the fascinating thing about her character, yeah. and particularly in relationship to Tom, to William Hurt's character, is she just there's something there, yeah, that's just pulling her in. Yeah, they're both attracted to what they're not. Well, you figure that she's also, and I, I sort of don't love this, but she's so caught up in being who she is professionally mm-hmm. that this is how she gets contact with you know with sexuality or with mm-hmm. men kind of what she would i'm sure imagine to be an anonymous encounter with a good-looking guy in a hotel room somewhere Mm. well and i think she's just working 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 all the time that then there's there's a moment and that she Mm -hmm. just leaps at it but it also speaks to her being a producer she produces the situation (laughs) right she asks him she dominates the conversation and when they get to the hotel room she's on the comfortable position he's not she is constantly in control he asks him to give her a back rub yeah he asks her him to give her a back rub that is control through the whole thing as a producer would have it it is an interesting thing like thinking about a producer uh and and a young hungry anchor and she pulls him into her hotel room Mm. and asks for a a back rub i don't have any problem with any of this well she doesn't know he's her anchor yet not yet so it's it's all in the sense that's not an issue and he rejects that back rub and the awkwardness when she has to sit up uh, again and sit mm-hmm. against the the bed of like oh what what's going on here and then he reveals what he wants you know which is to learn so the question is do, did he go along with the manipulation knowing he would say what he needed to say in that moment when he got in the hotel room that he would get what his needs met in this way he didn't want sexual things met he wanted uh, intelligence things, right. Matt. Right. I wonder if that career things, wait, yeah, career things, things. things. right things. Yeah. Um, one quick thing, by the way, that there's a very strange staging of the scene, which is we come into the scene and they're kind of sitting on the ground across from each other. Yeah. So th- this came about because Bill Hurt and Holly Hunter were running lines in the hotel the night before, and they did this, oh, wow. and they come on the set that day, and she says to James Brooks, "You got to watch how we did this. This is going to be great." And that's her. That, that's her insisting on those that talking, wow. which is amazing for someone on. <laughs> Their second, second movie. movie. Yeah. yeah, to do that. And I think William has won the Oscar by this point. Yeah, he, yeah. he, had, he had won for... Um, Is it uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman? Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had been nominated... He, so he won in 86 for mm-hmm. Kiss of the Spider Woman, had been nominated the next year for um, Children of a Lesser Children, God. Which is a great movie. I haven't seen it, another one I haven't seen in front of. We're doing that, Steve. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> there's um, a run of these 80s films. The people think 80s films are like Rocky movies and, you know, oh Top God. Gun. And, but there's an incredible amount of really intelligent, well-written I 80s films. I was just films. watching it and thinking nobody is making this movie no, but with, that's with these yep. production values. This yep. doesn't exist. It yep. does not exist. Only on TV. Yeah. Um, and then he finally kind of confesses, confesses, I love this line, I'm no good at what I'm being a success at. <laughs> Which pretty much sums it all up. Yeah. Because he started in sports and there had been some stuff where he might have gotten fired and then he just kind of gotten thrown up mm-hmm. right. being a news anchor and he's taking advantage of it right. and he's asking for her help 
in this weird way. Well, he's in this transitional moment where the news is going to go from being more substantive to less so. Yeah. So he still thinks he has to have the substantive right. part. But the truth is, he obviously doesn't. No. Um, and, and it's funny because her first reaction is to treat it like normally when someone comes to you like this, it's sort of a lack of confidence. And so you want to build up their confidence. He's like, no. I'm the, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> confidence is not my problem. Um, and, and then she has this great line. So you're not well-educated. You have almost no experience. And you can't write. Yeah. And, I, and I'm making a fortune. It's hard. For me to advise you since you personify something that i truly think is dangerous uh-huh. they're pretty much stating their because that's those are the, yep. the two the, the thesis of the film or the the two major strands that she's he is going forward and she is watching in horror well and, and what's interesting too is her reaction is like well if you're not qualified go get qualified go work in a newspaper right. go study like, go learn are this. you crazy <laughs> and he does because he doesn't actually want to be qualified he wants to look qualified well How, or he wants to be qualified without making the effort uh, that is required i think he wants the veneer of qualification yeah. you know How dare you he does not he wants to be qualified he asks her he says but the way she speaks to him, what he says to her when he steps out of the out of the room, he says, I don't like the way you just spoke to me. It wasn't what you said because you were right. And he says, you yes. were right. It's the way you spoke to me. So I think he genuinely wants to. He doesn't have the capability. That's the that's always that's, the conundrum with him. I agree. Yeah. And so he's going to make, you know, he'll, he'll do whatever because he still wants to be successful. Right. Yep. He, he doesn't have time to go sit in a classroom. He wants to glom it off the people who are already successful. In that way, I do think he has a little bit of the veneer because he's not willing to do that extra work. But he so he wants to take it from people as he can take it yeah. from people. Yeah. And to be clear, she is harsh with him. She I mean, is harsh. With I mean, him. the line, my favorite line is, "Just what do you want from me anyway? Permission to be a fake? Stop whining. Do something about it." And then she and she does the little baby voice to to him too. Oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do this. And you're like, oh my god. Um, and, th- and then he leaves. And then this next moment is the one you were talking about mm-hmm. before, which is she stands there. She takes off her shoes and then she takes off her pantyhose. This is one of the most real moments on film. Well, no woman wants to wear pantyhose. You know? <laughs> this is my understanding. <laughs> so it's like, thank God I can take off these damn pantyhose. So and another thing about this. this have you is, ever had pantyhose on, guys? Because I, have had, I have had. Pantyhose. Whoa, good to <laughs> Not know. Not comfortable, right? No, terrible. Um, the uh, no comment <laughs> the, you can find out on Patreon why Steve Morris had to wear pantyhose once. <laughs> Good, great. Um, the uh, one other thing about this this is Holly Hunter's idea. She said to James Brooks after they finished shooting the scene, she said, Roll the cameras, I'm gonna do something. And she just told, I mean, it's so to, to tell why isn't no one, she a director. What's I know, on? right? <laughs> and he said, Okay, and he rolled the cameras and she did this. I mean, that's and maybe it's the the naivete of this only being your second film, but really, people don't generally just tell a director roll the camera, I'm going to do something, partially because technically you have to, you know, get focus and you have to do all these other things to make sure that it's filmed correctly, but also because you don't normally tell directors. You're scared of the guy who just did Terms of Endearment. Exactly. So now we get on the phone call. And you, and this is, this is Albert Brooks and, uh, Oh my God. Every phone conversation between the two of them is genius. And you get the sense that this is normal, that they are their last phone call before going to bed. Yeah. They're that kind of friend, you yeah. know, I mean, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, a lot, but you know, there's towards the very end, he said, like, I'm going to meet you over the, at the place by the thing where my, we went. One of my favorite. And moments. I had a friend like this. It was very much the same relationship, you know, 
guy attracted, not me, not so much, but that, you know, the, the connection, that connection yeah. is there. And he literally had said to me after, because of the movie, he would say, I'll meet you at the place by the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, it's funny too, because this is one year before when Harry met Sally. Oh. And Harry and Sally have this, you know, we're lying in bed having this last conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she talks about, you know, her quote unquote date. And, and I love Albert, uh, uh, Aaron is his name. And he says, oh, he must've been really good looking. Why do you say that? Because nobody invites a bad looking idiot to their bedroom. <laughs> Which of course is not true, but yeah. Oh I, th- I think good-looking idiots are going to get invited to more bedrooms than bad-looking <laughs> Fair. idiots. Statistically, Just guessing, yeah. <laughs> and then Albert goes into his thing first about whether or not he's slipping, which is really funny. And then this next line, and this is a line where my wife turned to me and said, you're Albert Brooks, um, which is... Wouldn't this be a great world if insecurity and desperation made us more attractive? If needy were a turn-on? It's the way he says it. If needy was a turn on it I just know, drags it so it, that is one of the i felt like in a way i mean this may sound a little over the top but what I, I felt like watching these lines come back you know i'd seen them before they had landed with me before i felt like this is almost like a shakespeare play where one when you hear one thing after right. another that sticks with you that is so meaningful mm-hmm. and just universal and amazing and I, I thought this this movie has that many brilliant lines yeah. absolutely it absolutely does and, and, it, and it shows the vulnerability of all the characters real early in the movie right mm-hmm. holly's well, crying he's desperate he is his, a needy he's, guy he's desperate. yeah he he's is a lonely guy. woman he's, for all his intelligence he's still that kid trying to be accepted by the cool kids he's still that kid aaron is oh yeah that's what it's all about well, he's if, yeah ooh. he's got the handicap of not being that good as good looking as William Hurt well if he was as confident as William Hurt is regardless of looks he wouldn't need the stroking and all that kind of stuff because the intelligence with the confidence would be unbeatable well she's constantly nursing him throughout the movie and I can I mean the friendship is great but I can also say and relate that it gets tiring (laughs) yeah to tell him he's okay and right. rush over there when things don't go well for him. And, right. you know, she's, she is ex- demonstrating why she's sitting alone because every time she's supposed to go somewhere with William Hurt, he turns out to be a problem that she has to go and nurse right. him along. Right. It's on purpose. Well, and you know, we've had this conversation before, but like, uh, sometimes having a long, intimate, close friendship is the enemy of you getting into a relationship because time, you only have so much time and time you're devoting to this friendship. Well, that's... Well, and the guy has got an agenda that he's not revealing, which right. is that he's crazy about you. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, and, and they hang up the phone. The last thing she says is call if you get weird, which is a great line. <laughs> um, and then the phone rings again immediately. She assumes it's Albert Brooks calling again and she starts right back into the conversation. It's not Albert Brooks. It's Tom. Mm-hmm. And Tom is calling to say, I did get a, the job as an anchor and it's on your network. I'm coming to work with you. Oh, that's gotta be a bad feeling. <laughs> yeah. And immediately we cut to both of them, uh, Aaron and Holly Hunter's character, uh, totally angry about it, walking, storming into uh, their office, talking about, do you want to talk about the people they could have gotten? You want to talk about all this kind of stuff, which you hear all the time when someone gets hired who you think shouldn't have a position. There are people who are are in consideration or who wanted their views heard more, always having this back and forth about it. Uh, We go into the, into the newsroom, um, which apparently, which they obviously look, worked really, really hard to get right. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is, is that at CBS, where Susan Zerinsky worked, they were just making the transition from typewriters to computers. Oh, so she got all the typewriters in that and used them to fill up the set. 
so this is a lot of old stuff that came out of CBS. I was watching her set. type, you know, because I really have a hard time. I know when I started in journalism, we did type, mm. but how we did that, uh, yeah, well. how do we do that? I don't even know. We used to yeah. type things in triplicate and then editing. I honestly don't think I would have had the career I've had if it hadn't been for word processing, the invention, because the way I write is not, I'm not an outliner. Mm. I mean, this may have been too far afield and you can edit it if you want to. <laughs> but the way I move, I write pieces and move them around. And you can't do that with a typewriter. I, I think I would have been stalled out at a much lesser stage. So I watch her type and I'm just fascinated. Like, oh, yeah, typing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the same, by the way. I never would have become a writer if there weren't computers. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little dyslexic. And when I, was when I got my first Macintosh, it was like a revelation. Like suddenly I could... Because I move, yeah, they change. I, they I change mean, those. I've written two books without an outline. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't uh, use and I never worked. Kind of amazing. Right? I know, it's incredible. No, I, I don't. Use I don't even know how I did that. So um, we're in the newsroom, and uh, Aaron Albert Brooks's character is having a little conversation with some people about ethical uh, things in journalism, mm -hmm. which is just important because this is going to be important thematically for the rest of the the film. We go. Uh, Tom arrives at the newsroom, um, and just at the time they're rushing to get a tape ready. <laughs> That is one of the great scenes is, in a great movie. It is it, it's, absolutely uh, great. It's Joan Cusack. Yeah. And I think I saw John Cusack in a tiny little role. Is he that, shows up later. He shows up later. Which really I didn't briefly. notice when I was watching the movie, but I, I watched the credits just for the, to see who was in it that I hadn't known. And he's like got angry messenger or something. Yeah. I, only, I only know because uh, uh, James Brooks mentions it in the commentary track. Uh -huh. Otherwise, I never would have I did not know that at um, all. But she... She, it is this brilliantly choreographed mad dash mm. because Holly Hunter has to do it right. Yep. You know, she has this brilliant idea of imposing, superimposing this Norman Rockwell painting with this story about a veteran and that takes time and everybody's terrified. And we're going to go live to, in, in, you know, it's going to go live out to the world right. and first at 14 minutes and then eight minutes and then... Right, TikTok, it, she's yeah. get, get the book from my office because there's a picture which is the kind of genius that makes her incredible as yeah. a producer. And then Joan Cusack has to run and vault over people. Slide under know. the filing cabinet. And jumps over the mother and baby at one point in the hall. She actually trained with a hurdler. To Did she? Do that. What? <laughs> yes. Wow. Especially in that dress. Um, I was no. I was like, that is a move. I mean, it is. it's like, wow. Well, what I love too, the moment right before where they, they've got the editor whose whose name is Bobby and they're yeah. desperately trying to do it and he says, oops, and the clock is ticking. And everybody's right. I love out. Holly's Bobby, 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 Grateful. He's so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. He's so grateful. And, and so we have this, it's it's really an action sequence of getting yeah. this tape into the guy's hand, into Absolutely the... Absolutely amazing. And it goes out on time. And we get to see the network anchor really appreciate that tape. And who is that network anchor? Jack Nicholson. So I know, and I had forgotten that yeah. it was Jack Nicholson. Me too. Well, terms of endearment. I know, but I just yeah. didn't remember. It's like this weird recurring character, <laughs> definitely looking very satanic. But he's actually <laughs> it's Jack Nicholson <laughs> because he's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> but he is actually representing a time when they were still doing. He's not the new era, right? He, so it's kind of an odd. 
maybe he's the transitional guy or something. Well, it's also realistic to what's actually happening for him as an actor as well. At that time, he is transitioning from the leading man, uh, young leading man into the older leading man parts. And here's William Hurt coming up. So he's kind of handing it over in a way to William Hurt as well. So it's a nice mirror in real life as well. I think the choice to cast him is so brilliant because what you want is someone who instantly brings the Veritas, you know, instantly Mm -hmm. brings like, and because it is, you know, Jack is Jack, is that as soon as you see him, you just believe like, oh, this is an important person because we already have a built up relationship with that actor. Um, well, and even all the people who have all the integrity with news are are fawning over him shamelessly, mm-hmm. and his sm- his slightest look or gesture, <laughs> they go compl- they're analyzing it over and over. Oh. Like, what do you think he meant? And they're yeah. so, you know, I, I found that you know that that is a thing. I think more TV news than what I would mm-hmm. have experienced right. in print because. I mean, people were like respectful of and maybe even afraid of their bosses, but you don't have that on camera. What's that mm-hmm. face? What's that smile? Is that a smile? <laughs> like Albert Brooks has to yeah. look. Is this a smile? Yeah, he definitely smiled when Albert Brooks does this report. You know, he definitely smiled. Well, these guys, particularly in this era coming off of the Cronkite era and all, I mean, they, you know, they ran the newsroom and they and and they had so much power because they brought... They were the news. To well, and Hallie Hunter makes that point in the boring yeah. speech yeah. at the beginning. That's yeah. a disaster. She's like, you know, the, the powerful men in mm-hmm. who are anchors yep. are the last guard against this new influx of stupid journalism. <laughs> and we have a very awkward scene where Tom is trying to give her uh, Holly Hunter a compliment. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I think genuinely complimentary. Uh, and and his reaction, by the way, through the whole action sequence of getting the tape and watching this whole process happen is great. Tom is a genuine guy. Tom is a genuine guy. He's a he's he has genuine aspirations, they're but all he's amb- totally willing to compromise as he becomes very clear. Sure, but they're all ambitious. They're all ambitious in different ways. Yeah, his is the most dangerous though, yes. and that's what the well, point of the movie is. Right? There's those who there are those who don't compromise, and right. then there's him yeah. and others. Um, I, I love, there's a moment, it's a very small moment where he tries to give her the compliment, but then he gets interrupted and then he has to do it again yeah. and he tries to resell it, which I've totally had to do that sort of, oh, I have to say the thing again and make it real. And he kind of is, wants her help and is, and wants, you know, to build a relationship here. And she's kind of, no, I'm going off to South, yeah. you know, Central America and I got stuff to do. And what does he come back at her with? And it has nothing to do with the fact that I left your room instead of staying there. Yes. I saw that line and thought it's kind of interesting in this moment for yeah. that to be a line in the movie and her with rea- the woman being the person who is trying to be the seducer. Yeah. yeah. And her reaction is great. Oh, it's fantastic. That's what's, that's what's so great about this movie. You have these moments where Holly can take a little bit of time to react to the situation and you get it. You believe it. You see her processing it and then choosing how to respond to it. It's great. So here, here's a basic filmmaking thing that they reverse in the scene that I, I think is so interesting. A basic filmmaking thing is if you want to make someone look powerful, you shoot them from a low angle. If you want to make someone look weak, you shoot them from a high angle. So, you know, if someone's looking down at someone, the camera's up above their shoulders, pointing way down at them. It makes them look small. They don't look powerful. Yeah. So Holly Hunter's sitting down in this scene. And there's this moment where he says this line and you could see it hit her and you could see her gather herself and what she actually does. And it's already a high angle looking down at her. So technically she already looks weak and what she does she actually lowers herself even lower Mm. and it's such an amazing i think it's a brilliant filmmaking moment because you see how much power she really has Mm. by reversing the standard camera angle to to you know put her in the really even weaker position and you show how much power how powerful damn now i want to watch it again (laughs) um and, and and 
you know, we end with this isn't personal. Mm-hmm. Is it personal for her? It's a good question. I think at that point, it is not. It will be soon. I think she certainly is embarrassed about what happened in the hotel room. Of course. Who wants to be walked out on when you're basically offering yourself to somebody? Mm. Um, but, I, but I also think the most important thing in her world is doing this job. Mm-hmm. And, the, and in that sense... And she does not see him as a plus. No, mm-hmm. not at all. We're off to Nicaragua to meet yes. with the Sandinistas. <laughs> Albert Brooks <laughs> speaks pretty good Spanish. Yes, he does. Um, and he's always, he's always. multilingual in this film. I'm sorry, I should, ask the, <laughs> I should ask the person who's a natural Spanish speaker that question. Yeah. It's all right. It's a good, it's a good, good uh, Spanish. Good, yes. good American high school Better Spanish. Better than I could do. Yeah, well, he does the crack back at him when the guy responds in English. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you speak English well as well. And he just spoke to him in English. So it's an interesting, I think that's an Albert Brooks improv line in that moment. Because um, he just complimented him on his Spanish, which is great. And what we find out is that there might be shooting tonight. Yeah. And Holly Hunter is excited. <laughs> that's the that's the warped nature of journalists, I'm sorry to say. I, I, I've been listening. I mean, we have moments in the newsroom where you say, like, something absolutely terrible happened. And then you're like, I mean, it's bad. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been listening uh, lately to the Caliphate podcast, which is from oh, New yeah, York Times. That. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman who's the reporter whose oh, name yeah. I can't remember. On the Daily, that's right. Yeah. She, uh, first of all, the story is remarkable, but there's a whole sequence where she talks about going to Iraq and to Syria and to all these places in the midst of violence. And, I, you know, it's so reminding me of this Holly, you know, she is mm. so bravely going to these places to be at the center of what these important things happen. And that is the, her passion. And that is her, you know, drive to do that. Amazing. Yeah. Cause Albert's reporting it. She's producing the the, right. the news piece on site, which is incredible. And, and I didn't like, know. Oh, the Sandinistas and the Contras. And I'm I know, like, right? Boy, what year are we in? Do we know about the, Oliver North yet? <laughs> it was right, apparently, they were shooting right in the middle of those trials, right, right in the middle wow. of those hearings was in it? Congress. Yeah. Um, there's a moment that is completely silly that is actually really important, which is the boot. Oh, jeez. I remember the boot because I when I first saw the movie, and again, I was I was not at all in broadcast and like i was a little baffled by like what what is the big thing here and i didn't because it's not a thing in print journalism do that again so i was what is that so so to be clear on what's happening a cameraman there's a sandinista guy who's about to put on a boot and the cameraman goes tells him to put on the boot and uh jane holly hunter's character runs up and says no 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 we're not staging anything. Hmm. If you want to put on the boot, you put on the boot. You know, it's entirely up to you. And everyone's staring at this guy, and there's a long pause. And then he puts on the boot. And, and, and the reason is, is the idea that we are, we are not uh, staging the news. What is happening is just happening. We're yep. just observing it. I think this is a little, this one is a little silly to me. My, I don't find it to be a journalistic, I don't know, you, I'll, I'll leave it to it's you. It's setting up what's going to happen with William Hurt. Absolutely, that's why right? it's here. So that's why it's there. But I, I, yeah, I think that was part of my bafflement at the time. I mean, it was kind of, it's played for comedy, yeah. that the guy doesn't know what to do. Like, am I putting on my boot? What was I doing? I think that's how I read it. And I agree, it's, it's, I never thought it was the most, they wanted an example of her purity. Yeah. yeah. And it's not it's, the best, best. It's, it's right. so ridiculous. I mean, like, and maybe this is, you know, I'm working on a great white shark film on a boat and there's, I want to get footage of the guys suiting up in their scuba gear. And they suit up in their scuba gear every day. And I say, okay, come on, go, go ahead and put your mask on. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get it. Can you take it off, put it on again? I mean, to me, this is not violating any. It's not really proper for journal, real journalism. I don't, and, and I know there, it, it does irritate me. Like I've seen reality shows, mm. like the one where they, they, for whatever reason, they're 
constantly looking for crabs in Alaska, and I'm, mm. I'm they're, they're delicious. <laughs> they are. That part's important. Yeah. But uh, you know, you literally see snowing, not snowing, and they're still. It's supposed to be a continuous thing, but the weather has told. I mean. So, you know, whatever that, sh- I mean, I don't like that they present that as, right. as, as a sort of documentary show or that's how it was presented. Mm. I mean, I just, I, I, I'm with Holly Hunter on this one. You know, you have to have clarity. Mm. Do we, or do we not reenact stuff? And especially in a news story, right. we do not reenact. If yeah. you missed it, you missed it, Bat, right. you're going to probably get fired. I'm sorry. Or you ultimately will screw something up, but you cannot Again, for if it's if it's a doc, I don't know the standards really are. I'm sure people would say that's wrong to do it. Some people would say, "What difference does it make?" But certain journalism. Well, this is the uh-uh. thing. Yeah, no. I, well, I think this is an important uh, distinction. I mean, like, like my feeling when doing the docs was always like, "Well, we're we're looking at a big truth." Because, like, for instance, if I edit somebody's line, which I do all the time, to take out ums or they said something. Well, we do that in radio also. You know, you do it all the time. And and there is – and I can make someone sound terrible. I can make them say something that they didn't believe. And my feeling is, like, my job is to make them say the best possible version of what it is they're trying to say. I mean, we have tools for that in print. We use ellipses or brackets, you know, and we want to – and, there, and I have worked with people who are much more loosey goosey than I am about changing a quote. I will maybe, you know, adjust grammar a little bit sometimes just to not embarrass somebody when I know that right. they know better or whatever. But you, boy, it's there are people it's who tricky. say never ever do that. Yeah, but yeah. I also think this scene is in here for comedy. Absolutely, and it's, it's really in there to pull well, fun a multiple bit. purposes. It shows right. their courage and willingness to risk themselves. Sure, it shows that Albert Brooks is brilliant and can rat- rattle mm-hmm. off in Spanish with the. I guess they're with the Contras at that point, yeah. and uh, it shows you know the integrity of Holly Hunter. So it right. it gives you three pillars of importance in the film. I I do remember even at the time though thinking. Uh, why are we in? But that's this what I'm saying. Now? I think James L. Brooks does that to show a little bit of humor and take yep. a little bit of the piss out of Holly Hunter's purity thing. Right. It is played that's a little to, bit absurd. Like, yes. what difference does it make? Yeah. But I, on the other hand, the it film. establishes who she is. Well, yeah. Quick question uh, for you, Kim. We didn't touch about. We didn't talk on that scene earlier in the film when we first get introduced to her as a reporter, and they're having that. Uh, morality conversation in the bullpen where they're like, well, if you, would you tell a source that you love them to get this thing? Does, does that happen in newsrooms? Do you all sit around and have this conversation? Like what's the level of morality to get a story you would go through? Are you willing to say that on the record? I guess I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't remember. I'm trying to think if we've, I've ever, I mean, we, of course we talk about, is it okay? Yeah. Is it okay to, I mean, like, where's the example? Um, I was going to, I was doing a thing on Prince of Egypt. Oh, the film. Yes. Okay. And so the plan, Jeffrey Katzenberg desperately wanted me to go with him to Miami where he was going to tell Burger King that he did not want to tie in campaign for Prince of Egypt. It's just not right. (laughs) And he wanted me to witness, I was doing this for Time Magazine, witness me renouncing the deal because I, you know, I'm not going to be accused. It was very important to Jeffrey. So he wanted to show off his ethicalness. Because it was such a sensitive thing, the story of Moses. He yeah. had, I don't know if you remember, but he had every, I was in the room when these very evangelical guys came in and Jeffrey would sound like, like one thing he could do was actually, he's the opposite of Hurt, William Hurt, quick study, immerses himself, does the hard work. He could talk, you would believe that he grew up in the South going to revivals. And then the rabbis come in and then the imams, come, and he just catered to everybody wow. and he wasn't going to be 
crass about exploiting Prince of Egypt. But the thing was, the plan was that I would fly there on my own, but, but he wanted me to go back here in his jet. <laughs> and so is it ethical? We're not supposed to take anything. We're not right. supposed to be right. bought. That's expensive. If you right. And time. I mean, I would leave that stuff to my editors. Mm. And they finally said that they would pay like the commercial fare to get me from Miami back mm. to LA. And of course, it's a little bit, you know, like, okay, I don't know what the dollar difference right, is, right. but I did end up on the jet, on the private jet. <laughs> with Jeffrey. Huh. And, and, you know, he then proceeded the funniest part of this, which is a total digression, but I'm just going to tell you, cause I, when we got there for this moment that he, he was carefully planning to do, we walk into the conference room with the CEO of Burger King and all the Burger King market. Right. And they say, well, Jeffrey, we just have to tell you, we're not going to do a tie-in. We're not comfortable. And and Jeffrey just is going to decide, I have a speech, and by God, I'm, do I'm doing it. Wow. So he then goes into his speech about, why well, he's not doing the tie-in. Oh, no, no, no. You're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. He's, no, but you, you over there take notes, because yeah. this is in your story. This is part of your story. And how did you tell the story? I cannot remember. I mean, you know, when you go, it's one of the things about working for time is you may as well put your words into a blender because even though I had a contract with copy approval, they were constantly trying to breach my contract. And it was, you know, they changed their minds every third. I don't need, I have no memory of what they left in the story or did wow. not leave in the story. Yeah, some editors interesting. I, I've worked with two different editors and one editor like loved going through my pieces and I was the kind of writer that's like, do, as long as you're paying me, do whatever you want with it. As long as you keep the basis of what I've written, fine. And then the other editors that I do stuff occasionally for now at Collider, they're like, they want the piece fully written and done so they can just look it over for any well, grammatical yeah. errors and publish. And I'd rather have the first editor that goes through everything. Of and course, then, you have to have an editor. It's yeah, ridiculous not uh, to have an editor. Uh, yeah. But you need an editor who's not going to change. I mean, I'm fine as long as they don't change white Essence. to black. Exactly. You know? I mean, if you want to change yeah. beige to taupe, I'm good. Yeah, right. So uh, anyway, I, I, I'm going to continue the digression just a little okay. bit because it, it, so the first uh, Great White Shark doc I did was uh, what was sold to CBS and CBS took it out of our hands and essentially completely reversed the whole point we we're going to make. Mm. And the main contact we had there and Mike Hoover's buddy, who's the guy who I did the shark doc with is Susan Sarinsky. Ha. Oh, so she's the, she. I don't think she actually is the one who tore apart the our bad. documentary. <laughs> but, but she she was definitely. So it's funny because when I started hearing her name, I'm like, why is that name so familiar? And I went back to my emails from 2005 mm -hmm. and found, oh, because I I was on emails that she was CC'd oh, on great. way back then. Wow, yeah, crazy. Uh, and Hoover loved her, by the way. He said she's small, just the best. Small world. Yeah, totally. I think we spent enough time on the boot. <laughs> you brought it up. I know I did. I know. It was, it was entirely my fault. I mean, I think it's a slight problem scene, which is why we're mm -hmm. spending time on it. Um, and because uh, the next thing that happens is they are under fire. And this is where you see Albert Brooks is great. The first shots were fired about 10 seconds over towards the east. The Contras feel they must be outnumbered. This is so small a unit. That's a given. Still, they managed to hold their ground. Despite the fact that their weapons have been acting up, either misfiring or jamming. No new shipment of arms is expected until tomorrow. All they got today were the shoes. And, and it's funny. Like, so the character of Aaron, you go like, oh, my God, this guy is the real deal. He is a great reporter. He is brave. And Albert Brooks as an actor in this moment is great because we've, I've never seen him do this kind of sincere, scared, intense, passionate 
thing because he's always being Albert Brooks. And the other thing that's going on, and this is James L. Brooks's direction to Holly Hunter is you are turned on. Yeah. She is so into him right now. And and it's into him because of his conf- his talent. Yeah, his not confidence. intellectually, but not as a potential lover. No, that well, James Brooks is is that she wants to go have sex with him right now on the commentary. Really? That's, that's that's what, what he, he says, says on the commentary. commentary. Oh. Well, that's his I direction. Would, to that her. surprises me because I didn't see. I don't think she, if she had ever wanted to have sex with him, my God, I think she would have. Yeah, and I think maybe she's turned on in the moment because finally she sees he in the moment where he's confident. The reason she's turned off by him is he's so unconfident through most of the, through the majority of the movie right. that only the moments when he's confident does she get hints of being turned on by him. But you can be turned on by someone you don't necessarily want to sleep with. It's just in that moment you feel the turned on to them. Yeah, yeah J- James Brooks's description is that if if Albert Brooks didn't say the thing about his face not testing well in focus groups, <laughs> that they would have had sex that night. Wow, that's uh, what. The, and, and I don't well, know. Well, and this is the thing we've come across this a bunch is there's sometimes things that directors say was their intention <laughs> yeah. that we look at it and go that's not what. Yeah, happening. you didn't. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's yeah. I'm willing to be like Switzerland on that one. <laughs> um, and then we cut to Jane crying on this dock. Mm. It's a great shot. Um, by the way, so uh, Holly Hunter's nervous about whether or not she can cry on cue as all alone because it's also there's nothing there's nothing going on there's no context so she just has to cry and so what she told she told James Brooks this is what I want you to do anytime we're rehearsing. For no reason at all, completely out of as a surprise, you can take me out of the rehearsal to another room and make me cry. Oh, and that's what they did. He would just randomly say, "Okay, Holly, let's go," and she'd have to go to another oh room my and God, cry. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, did he say horrible things to her? <laughs> no, well, I, I think he just stood there. I mean, I don't think he was making her cry. Oh, I yeah. think he was. He is the director was saying, "Go ahead now, try to cry." Yeah, I've always thought if, if I, you know, when, when I imagine being an actor to say "cry and command," it's the worst thing in the world. Because I, used to, I was an actor for a while on camera. It's the worst thing in the world. Because you, you have to create the whole set to make you get to that spot. You'd have to show me like one of those commercials that, yeah. and then I would cry. People have music. <laughs> uh, people I've heard red actors in interviews say they have music lists. And then when they're in that spot, the director just has the camera ready. And when they're ready, they walk on the set and do it. It's very interesting. Everyone, and some people can just do it on command. Like it's no big deal. Yeah, we just, we, we just did Gladiator. And there's a big Russell Crowe crying scene. And apparently he went up mm. to Ridley Scott and literally said, what do you want? You want single tear? You want crying? You want this? <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> and, 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 and Ridley Scott said, I want the whole thing full sobbing. And Russell went, all right, maybe we can get some snot too. <laughs> Oh, my sugar. <laughs> which, which they did. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Um, and now we're back to Jack Nicholson, and he's introducing the piece that we've just mm-hmm. done. And it's obvious that they nailed this piece. And uh, his name is Bill Rorish. By, by, that's his character's name. And it's so good that he wants to talk to Jane. And this is a big deal. Big compliment. This is the big compliment. And she tries, rightly so, to give some credit to Aaron. He's not giving any credit to Aaron. Um uh, I love there's a moment after where uh, Aaron Albert Brooks leans over to whisper in, in uh, Jane's ear and says, Laugh so they don't think I'm dying inside, but have so much style that I just said something funny. Mm-hmm. And don't, he does. And, she's, and she says, but don't overdo it. And then don't tell him anything. And it's perfect. And then, of course, she does kind of overdo it. Yeah. I love watching great actors play characters who have to act not not well <laughs> it reminds me i i was i had to write a profile when i was at the post of a uh, aid worker a, but a big deal aid worker who went missing in chechnya who, oh, and of oh, wow. course i hadn't met him but i talked to a lot of people i wrote this piece for the washington post and completely out of the blue uh, peter jennings who i did not know wow called me to say you know i knew him and you nailed it and it was like 
Wow. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I can't believe <laughs> you're calling me to tell me that. And, of course, it turned out the aid worker had been killed. But oh, wow. That I felt like I sort of knew him without knowing him. Mm. Wow. But it was nice of Peter Jennings who, to reach out like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Tom's going to do his first story. He would like some help from Jane. <laughs> um, and she is, by the way, wearing a bright red scarf. Uh, like, wow. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now we got to watch it again. <laughs> now I got to watch it again. <laughs> and we'll go home after this. And there's a little stumble where he's, we're talking about a plane that's not working and that it costs them millions and she corrects him with billions. Billions, yeah. Um, and then we see the story and it's pretty good. And and there is one sort of moment that's interesting, which is that he makes the story a little bit about him. He inserts himself into the story more than what the journalistic integrity of of Jane would think is and correct. And she scolds him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a really interesting, I think it's a really interesting and subtle thing, particularly looking at the world we're in today where yeah. everyone's in the story, you know. I think that's the frustrating part for me watching it because I'm of two minds of it. I, I, I hate it in sports journalism. I hate the ESPN started making it about their anchors. It drove me insane. Yet in the news world, in the regular news world, they're knee deep in the pieces. So I don't mind seeing their reactions. I don't mind seeing their stuff, but I get why people would have an aversion to it. I think what you're seeing actually is the beginning of the conscious creation of a brand. Yeah. We, cause in those, you know, I don't think Edward R. Murrow sat around saying, I think I need a brand, but William Hurt knows he needs a brand. Yep. And that's when he injects himself because Mm -hmm. he's building his brand. Because people want to trust, like we trusted Cronkite for you just because he was just Cronkite. But these guys come along, can't, can't connect, can't even match what Cronkite did. So what do they fall back on? What is from the beginning? At the, what am I going to do with my good looks? Right. This is it. And people connect to him and like him naturally. He's just one of those. We all know somebody like that who just effortlessly goes through life because he, they look good and people just naturally have a, gravitate to them because they have this unspoken charisma and they just, everything they just works it. out for him, yeah. right? The longest winning streak Even if ever. they don't have that good looks. I know people who are so confident and so charming yeah. and they just win everybody over. Yep. Yeah. I call these people the sun. Because everyone sort of orbits around them yeah. and wants to have your light shine on you, you know, and and they can be awesome people and they can be so irritating. Um, yes, I know, Aaron. Yes, I. <laughs> Aren't they? Touche. Oh, so you're good so, one. So right. Um, Bill Prosky, we haven't talked about. Oh, oh my God, you know, from, in Washington, mm-hmm. he was at the Arena Stage, which yep. has an amazing company and did amazing theater. Yeah. And I, every time I see him, even though I don't know him, I saw him in, in plays at Arena, and mm-hmm. I would be like, "Oh, there's Bill Prosky, yeah. making good and getting the big, I big roles." Him. I love him, yeah. and he, he he's brought his daughter to work, which is in fact that's James L. Brooks's daughter. Yeah. Um, and I love she immediately wants to meet Tom, only person she's ever right. wanted to meet. And <laughs> Aaron walks hilarious. up and goes, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps going. We went on, what is it, we rafting trip together? Yeah. Was, 14 days. For 14, and I was wearing a yellow, and she's With just the, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she does a perfect job of that. Not clearly not remembering, yeah. trying to be. I hate it. I, I'm it's bad so at great. remembering people sometimes. Yeah. I'm really bad. Well, 14 days on a rafting trip, you have to be really forgettable. Yeah, sure. really like, bad. really forgettable. What's funny is, is Albert Brooks is many things, but forgettable is not one of them. Well, you know, to women, she apparently. Focused. apparently yeah. <laughs> the youngest so. woman was focused elsewhere. I, apparently. It is, it's Robert Prosky, but I want oh, to make sure, yeah, I'm sorry. Make sure we say? get that correct. Yes. Bill Prosky. I said Bill. It's funny. As soon as it went out of my mouth, I went, I don't think that sounds right. Robert Prosky. Thank you. Um, 
Uh, we're at a big party. Uh, Jane is wearing a red coat. <laughs> um, I'm just going to keep pointing it out. Just keep pointing um, it out. Please do. Um, it's a whole new aspect of the movie. And lo- She's getting redder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, good point. From yeah. Scarlet. Yeah. Um, I love that uh, Joan is kissing up to the uh, boss. Oh, oh, God, this scene. And then the next moment. Because she's young. She's young. She's yeah. overwhelmed by this. So she's, you know, she's trying to be she's nice. Unable to articulate anything. Yeah, exactly. For, first of all, and I hope, by the way, I know we've already talked about her during the, the get the tape ready scene. Man, I love Joan Cusack. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just adore her. She is one of the most unique, amazing. School of Rock. One of my uh, other favorite movies. Oh. She's just so great. I think School of Rock is a perfect movie. Mm. Wow. Oh. Oh, well, okay. maybe we'll have you on next time. I'll come uh, back and I'll talk about how much I love School of Rock. Done and done. Um, uh, and she says to Albert Brooks, you think that anyone who talks nice to their boss is an ass kisser? And his line back is, no, I think anyone who puckers up their lips and presses it against their boss's buttocks and then smooches is an ass kisser. <laughs> To which she responds, you know, I was almost attracted to you. <laughs> well, that changes like, everything. Okay, let me that. Right? Uh, and we haven't talked about Jennifer, who's another reporter who works at the uh, at the, good ne- looking at the network. She's very good looking. And she wants to talk to... She's the seductress. Jane. And she says, do I have your permission, essentially, to go after Tom? Which I thought was quite nice of her. It was <laughs> nice of her. And Jane's reaction is so funny, which is like her, her brain says... No, of course I have no intentions of him. And then her something happens, she and she realizes. Goes, Wait, do I? Yeah. It sends all of these mixed signals, and uh, Jane decides to go to talk to Tom. And the first thing he says is, "You look so pretty and clean." <laughs> I know that's right. Clean <laughs> that doesn't doesn't go very well. Jennifer is leaving, and Jane goes, "You know what? He's yours. Go ahead back in." And she goes right back in to talk to Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what happens is a phone call comes in, and there's something that's happened at a base at Sicily. And and of course it's Gaddafi, and you're thinking, Gaddafi. yeah, we know what happened there. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's funny we got the Iran Contra and Gaddafi. Yeah. I know all of know. these throwbacks. It's crazy. It's eighty-seven, and there's by the way a moment where Aaron is looking at Jane, and that's where it's just really clear mm-hmm. how he feels about her. Yes, and, and they talk. I mean, going to Gaddafi, they talk about him in a way like he's, you know, Aaron is ultimately going to be feeding this information and they talk about hey, he's very presidential yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and i'm thinking yeah you know in the end <laughs> not so much not so much and who do they go to immediately who's the first person they talk to when they find out there's this big thing going on it's tom and we, you know we see this this character p- played by peter hackis this sort of mm. newsroom boss yeah. asshole and so, peter hackis was a washington guy i think my yeah. my father worked uh, in early in the television world he was a designer he worked for the cbs affiliate in the late 50s early 60s uh-huh. and I, I it was like a sort of a thing where you see somebody you know in a movie before you start seeing a lot of right. people you know in movies because <laughs> you work here now in hollywood but that was i remember that was part of the excitement for my family oh, was like great. and he did actually an amazing job he's, he's really not an good. actor and yet he's really great well apparently at one point he had gotten laid off in one of these big layoffs and oh, so wow. this was you know he got to play the part of the guy doing what had been done to him yeah yeah the crime yeah. yeah you see he has this exchange with robert prosky and he says it's done it's decided yep. and he walks yeah out because prosky is saying why are you sending a lightweight to yes this important yes thing. he wants aaron there yeah because bill rorish the jack nicholson character he's out of town yes. and so we need someone to go be the network anchor right and they pick tom right. and jane's not happy about this <sighs> She goes out and talks to Paul and says he's not ready. He's not qualified. Aaron knows all about this stuff. He's met with Gaddafi. He is the guy. And she says, and it's my job to tell you this. 
And Paul, uh, Peter Hackett's response is, well, that's just your opinion. Mm -hmm. And she shakes her head. Oh, yeah. my God. You're now at my favorite moment of the whole movie. <laughs> it's because not... this is my life. I am telling you, this moment is my freaking life. Okay? She says it's not an opinion. How many yeah. conversations have you told people? It's this not, is not that moment. It's when she, he says it must be great. It must be nice to always believe you know better. To always think you're the smartest person in the room. Well, and Jane's response to this is, no, it's, it's awful. It's, it's awful. That's the point where I was like, she's me. She is me. That's and Paul me. Doesn't, Paul doesn't even know what to do with that information. He just kind of stares at her quizzically and then walks off. Because he's so not that person. Right. He hasn't had the experience of being right and seeing the Cassandra moment. Well, clearly. It's all playing out like I said it would. Why didn't you listen to me? Like I, my friends will say to me when I turn out to have been right, they're like, I hate you because yeah. <laughs> you're always right. And for me, I, I so relate to the Cassandra experience of saying, no, no, it's not, it's not that it's this. And they're like, no, no, it's that. And you're like, no, it's this. And then when the whole thing falls apart, they're like, you're right. It was this. And you're like, oh my God, why won't you listen to me? How many times do I have to be right to use to say, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to defer because you were right before well, 150,000 times. And, and her, I've always thought Kim Masters was right. I've always read her. <laughs> I've always read too. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I very few. You, you, it's, it's what you will regret. I mean, I'm not 100% right, but I bet very strongly. You do bet strongly. <laughs> so two things about this. The first is, no, it's awful, is 17 takes. Wow. wow. Takes. And I get it because that is a weird line. And to get it just the right yeah. way, mm -hmm. how you deliver it. I can't that. imagine it any other way because she delivered it's it perfect. finally perfectly. And it connects to her crying. It's a it's a vulnerability moment to connect to her psychosis. And so you get it. You get it. It's so great. And here's the other thing I'll say. I will contend that while everything Jane says in this moment is 100% true, she's wrong. Right. Because... Aaron wasn't the right person to put on in this situation. Right, in the end. Tom, in fact, is well, the right we person. Well, we don't know that at this right. point. We don't know that at this point. Yeah. But in fact... Substantively, he is the right person. Like from absolutely. a point of view of substance. Yes. Mm -hmm. And who knows? You know, maybe if the, he had put him out there. I mean, by the time he has his later fail in the anchor yeah. chair, yeah. the truth is his confidence has been so battered. Right. He is desperately fighting for what is his last chance. Mm -hmm. well, and, and he, if, if he had gone in like, I know this, I've, I know Gaddafi, it could have been a completely well, different Well, and maybe thing. he prepped yeah. He prepped too much for the later one and was too in his head. And if and he, he had, had just gotten much thrown in. On him, yeah. Remember, he was begging for the point. one chance. So I think point. it's not necessarily clear that he was not the right person. It, so you're saying that you might be right that this is I'm not. saying if she was right <laughs> she, she was probably right. yeah <laughs> she was probably right so we're prepping for this broadcast we want to make sure that he has a earpiece that's working and it's interesting that she is desperately she, she is like... really stressed out that he is not going to be able to do oh, this yeah. thing um and we're intercutting it's total mother mode it's total maternal mode have seven uh earpieces ready right. at yep. any moment in case anything goes it's in case smart. He, he can't hear her and, yeah. and, and while she's freaking out he goes into his office closes the door closes the blinds and picks out the right shirt and tie which is hilarious. Yeah. He opens the drawer of his desk like, I'm getting ready for my big moment. And that's just a box of shirts. <laughs> now, <laughs> he's just a shirt. I, mean, I, exactly. I, worked at a, I worked at a TV station for a year and a half. Uh, and that is every anchor has stacks of shirts in their drawers and ties I'll at any moment. Another digression story. I was... I I can't remember what the story was. It wasn't recent. With Janice Mann, I was I was asked to go 
immediately to do, I think it was Piers Morgan on CNN, oh, gosh. which now I wouldn't do, but I did. And I was not dressed at all for television. It was one of those things where news broke. Yeah. You got to go. It's going to be live. And Janice literally walked through the office and said to one woman, give Kim your shirt like <laughs> off of her back. Give her your necklace. Give her your skirt. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I get to that's CNN. That's good teamwork. I yeah. mean, that's nice. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. But unfortunately, when they get to CNN, they look at me and they go, with the lights on you, we can see directly through that shirt. <laughs> so they then go burrowing around and find a jacket to put over right. the shirt so that I am not addressed yeah. on national, <laughs> possibly international television. Um, there's one moment we skipped that I think is so important, which is uh, Jane asked Tom, are you nervous? Yes. He says, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, because he's... This is, yeah, he's building his brand. Well, and mm-hmm. honestly, as much as I have problems with Tom, he is good at this. Thank you. Tom is good at this. Ish. <laughs> Ish. He's good at it if he has Holly Hunter right. in his ear telling right. him what to say. Okay, we're going to George. Say, the Joint Chiefs are meeting. We have George Will at the Pentagon. He flew back to the White House, according to his aides, to monitor the situation. George Will is at the Pentagon. As remarkable as the action sequence of getting the tape is, this scene sequence is so brilliantly put together. Oh, yeah. It's so well constructed. Her on on the headset talking in his ear the way that what she says gets translated to what he says that he's good at that that's where you absolutely. see him having skill he doesn't he doesn't merely parrot her yes yeah. he puts a little spin on it yep. george well is at the pentagon and reports that the attack presumably by a lone libyan pilot has resulted in a massive movement of u.s military might that is leads up to one of the other most amazing lines in the movie He's trying not to listen, Albert Brooks. I don't want to get ahead of where you are, but he's he's home. He's upset. He's playing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, singing. Yeah. I think in I'm not in sure. French. It's French. So he's now multilingual because <laughs> he's brilliant. And he can't, he doesn't want to watch. And but he's he does, singing that he can sing while he reads, which is, yeah, which is hilarious. One way ticket back. I can sing while I read. I am singing and reading both. He turns it and he's, he just can't resist because the news junk, the news junk attack dog or whatever is in there. He calls Holly Hunter and he starts feeding her lines. Information, yeah. Listen. The pilot that shot down the Libyan in 1981 is stationed right here. Maybe you can get him. Also, Tom should say the F-14 is one of the hardest planes to fly, and they're nicknamed Tomcats. Which then come out of William Hurt's mouth, and he says this line that I love, which is like, I say it here, and it comes out there. Yeah. <laughs> which is something I say very often in my, for whatever reason, I'll, you know, I will feed somebody a line, right. it's, I, and I totally get that line. Of, I, I quote that all the time. And, and, and even the thing of her touching the button to speak to him is done so intimately. It's intimate. It is, the whole scene is intimate. I mean, it is really, and the split. Yeah, absolutely. And the speed of the scene and the information getting called in and the the feeling of the team the all rush, working together. The adrenaline. I mean, this is yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a it is a it is an intimate, sexy, energetic uh yeah, it's an amazing sequence. You can't wait just a minute. Then we're going to go to Martin Klein at State for the message from Libya. Then you're going to have the carrier pilot from the Sidra in time. What? No, you missed him. We only have 10 minutes left. How can you talk to me about parking problems? No, not your try. You'll do it. Do it. Or I'll fry your fat ass still. Goodbye. I had no idea. 
idea she was this good. I think that's when he, he William Hurt's character, crosses over into yeah. more than I'm just kind of interested and you're yeah. just kind of different to I actually want you really a lot. Right, right. And and the scene is great because you get the he, – he says he's excited. He's He seems confident. He's messing with her because she's screaming, oh, why yeah. can't he hear me? He's not to hear yeah. her. I'm yeah. just joking with you. But – even in that moment when he's, or in the scene rather, when he's so confident, he has that moment where it jumps out and she goes, she goes vamp or do something or figure it out. And you see the, the terror right. go across his face. So for all his confidence, right. a lot of it is he put on. He still has nothing. Yeah, yeah, he still has nothing. If, you, if he's not fed, well, he's an empty vessel. Well, and yet he finds it. Yeah, you know? he does. And, and even in the end, there's a little moment where he makes it a little bit about him that Which gets a is, comment. Which um, is, Prosky's line is great, yeah. right? You know. Who cares what who you cares think? Who cares what you think? And yet... That's our news. That's now. where that is, we're going. That's, yep. the, that's the world we're in. <laughs> um, and one other thing. So this is a story about an attack on an airbase in Sicily. So Susan Sarinsky came up with what all of these stories were. And for this one, she went to the, her Pentagon sources and talked to them about what a possible attack would be, what it would look like, created with the Pentagon sources wow. the news story, wrote all the copy, came up with all the sources she was going to go after to make this actually as real a news story as Yeah, and they could. didn't the dodge by making it a fake country or, you know, right. a fake dictator, yeah. which is lucky that, <clears throat> you know, that Gaddafi didn't have the ability to hack into right the computer oh yeah <laughs> um and then we've reached the end of this sequence and everyone is celebrating and tom comes in to talk to jane who is sitting on a chair and he rushes into her on his knees what a feeling having you inside my head yeah it was an unusual place to be it's like indescribable you knew just when to feed me the next line the second before I needed it, there was like a rhythm we got into. It was like great sex. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a very sexy moment. In it's this movie. yeah, absolutely. Well, and what you know, him saying, you know, what a feeling having you inside my head. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is like, like okay, and yeah, and the sound <laughs> you she just, makes is incredible. The what? When he goes, when he, the oh, sound when he grabs, she goes, oh, like she's <laughs> into it. It's such a great sound poor albert brooks is watching all this happen yep. from afar <laughs> and you know and, and, and bill hurt says there was a rhythm we got into it it was like great sex yes now we're just putting it right it's out right there, there. <laughs> and he wants her to celebrate with him and she says i have to go see aaron exactly <laughs> the first of many times exactly he is a in my opinion aaron is such a selfish jerk but i know, I know he's in i know he's got his insecurities but throughout the movie he drives me nuts with his selfish insecurity it well, drives he, me he's nuts. in love with her dude give he, him a break i guess but I why so should your love, love supersede her needs who, who hasn't way, done let that the record show that roca pointed at me when he said your love no no i'm saying because well, <laughs> I mean, i'm just saying who wouldn't try to just jealously kind of be like don't go there like he doesn't first of all the implication it's not just that he has a rival who's very good looking but he also represents everything that he abhors and he has just aced him out mm-hmm. of the thing that he should have been doing well and to be but clear, not on purpose he didn't tom didn't go lobby for it no That's he the, didn't but he's it's all happening yeah well i mean you know it's not like it, I, i'm going to assume that well being jealous <laughs> be, being jealous about someone else getting your gig you know, yeah. Getting your of, gig, getting your girl. You, you well, want. and this is the thing too. He doesn't know anything's going on with Tom. I think he moment. smells that oh, rat, yeah, big time. Yep. The party. They, that rat started to um, smell at the party. Yeah. 
Um, and when you're hyper attuned to the person you're interested no, in, you know what? You don't you're, right. Yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. I been, mean, meanwhile, I've she's hyper attuned on the girl, the yep. other reporter. Who's, yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer, who's going to have a little romp with him, and sends her yeah, one later. So we uh, we we go back to Aaron's, and he congratulates her, and and she and she thinks it was classy that he called in information, which mm-hmm. is you know it was classy, but it's I mean I know that you just you you're like a horse in the stable, and you hear the you know the bugle, right, and you're and just like okay, let me out of here. You want to run? You got to go. Yeah. I mean, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. <laughs> this weekend is mine. I'm not going to let anything. And I'm telling you, just using this exact weekend, I have been on the phone with a colleague who wants to do a story, oh. a potential source for a story, emailing back and forth, mm. somebody from Lucasfilm. It's all going on. Not to on. mention doing the cinephiles. Not to mention. <laughs> right, yeah. So like, I, I, yeah. I know that that is, you know, I used to think, why don't I have a calling? Like, it would be so cool to be a musician. And you know, I play the clarinet. That is my thing. And then ultimately, I realized this is no, actually. this is it. it. Yeah. You're, you're, yes, yeah. I have one. <laughs> it's a pain in my behind. Yeah. But I have one. <laughs> it just takes a lot out of you every yeah, day. Yeah. So first, first, Aaron says is that he figured out why he wants to be a news anchor. It's because if I do it well, then they'll pay me more. And my life will be great, and they'll treat me better. That's why. <laughs> and then the next thing he says is great, and that means I'm at their mercy. Mm. You know, and that's a key thing. As soon as you desire something, then whatever you desire has power over you. Uh, yeah. Yes. And the next thing he says is... In the middle of all of this, I started to think about the one thing that makes me feel really good and makes immediate sense, and it's you. I'm going to stop right now. Except I would give anything if you were two people. So I could call up the one who's my friend and tell her about the one that I like so much. Yes. Although I have to say, as me identifying with Holly Hunter, I'm cringing because it's like, please sure. don't, please don't. I kind of know you like me, but please don't. <laughs> um, it, well, and this is, it's because it's people who've listened to this show before know that this is me and my wife, you know? We, I had this exact scene in a car with her, and she said no, and only wanted to be friends with me. And then three years later, we started you got dating. The friends, you escaped the I friends. I escaped. Zone. I did. It's a rare, that rare, rare example. That yeah. is rare. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, twenty-seven years ago. Yeah, Mazel tov. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, and 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 it's so fun. And she kind of. This is the weird thing is that it's she, it's obvious not only that she knows now, but she already kind of knows, mm-hmm. and she sort of lets it go you know like there's she doesn't want to pursue that she doesn't and then of course he kisses her and says well i felt something (laughs) and i thought boy you know today's world no don't do that right no do not um she gets in a cab. Of course, she tells the cab driver what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, always producing. Always. Yeah. And um, I'm from D.C., so yeah, I'm sure you, like me, were going like, wait, Florida Avenue? New York? Yeah, oh, wait, wait. Sure? What, you said New York Avenue? Like, what? That's <laughs> this time of day. But I was. that. I mean, I had D.C. so wired yeah. in, in the day. And now, of course, all these chunks of it have fallen away and right. been replaced by L.A. chunks. Arlington is the worst. I had never go there. You cannot no cross sense. that bridge. Nope. You don't cross the bridge into Arlington. 67th Street starts at one place, and 67th Street starts way down somewhere else. And you're just like, I this makes no sense. Richard to Cohen was talking about the layout of D.C. and how it sort of makes sense because it's a grid. But then every once in a while, he said, one of the state avenues comes reeling across <laughs> like a drunkard. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what's going on? The only yeah. reason to cross that bridge is because they had 
the great ultimate not not in the early early but yeah. then the, the vietnamese restaurants yes oh my god yeah. i wish i could go there right now <laughs> i used to be a courier for two years in dc way back when i was going through through college and it to get to know that city, you just, it's incredible, but it's also, like you, you said, just wire that yeah, city. Yes. Good. Yep. Uh, so Jing shows up at this, uh, wherever they were meeting mm -hmm. with all the gang and Tom and Jennifer are walking out and there everyone is. else is gone. And mm -hmm. she goes, well, I'll just go in and have a burger by myself. And there's a brief moment. <laughs> there's a brief moment of, you want to go have another burger to Jennifer? And she's like, okay. <laughs> and then that's not what happens. And they yeah, head he kind of wants car. to go have a burger because he's he's. Would, I think he'd swap at that point if he could get I, away with it. He would absolutely swap if he could. Yeah. Um, but you know, he gets in the car, heads off with her. Mm -hmm. Holly Hunter gives a little look as they go. Um, skips the burger. <laughs> skips, yeah. <laughs> and then it's the next morning. I love that we start with this post-coital scene mm. with them at two different levels yeah <laughs> that she's on a you know on the bed above and he's blowing mm. like how did we end up it's a great directorial choice because what it does is it makes you go what happened how did they end up like this yeah what crazy sex just imagined her as this sort of scary like throwing him down on the yeah. bed and having her way with him i don't disagree with uh, Ken here. <laughs> it's very feels very familiar yes like a little bit of possible shrinkage might happen there <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna know a little bit about that because there's about to be a shadow moment <laughs> great line <laughs> which which apparently uh James Brooks gave Bill a choice of f sizes for the shadow. Oh, for his... Uh, oh, his, his, you know, uh, I did not notice that. Wow. Oh, there's... So unlike it, It's me. a quick shot. It's a quick it, shot. I need, I need to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pause frame by frame. Well, and and they had to... There was some very careful trimming to get the R rating. So, you, so you're saying it's not his uh, it's not. junk. Oh, it, well. is, it is fake. It's Fair enough. Fake. Oh, okay. I'll, I, well, it doesn't matter because I didn't even notice that. A stunt penis. I never heard of such. Thing. I may have noticed it when I saw it in the theater, but I didn't notice rewatching it, mm. courtesy of Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> sponsor of the Cinephiles. Yeah, um, hopefully, yeah. Uh, yes. and, and of course, Jane is crying alone. And of course, I made them fire the head of their studio. <laughs> well done. That oh, out. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> that was fun for a few seconds. Um, and just months thank of you for torture. Your months and of torture. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Um, that story was a lot of layers. Now we're having a meeting about the 24 million we have to cut from the network. Oh man. Oh yeah. By the way, the two guys sitting next to Holly Hunter, uh, James Brooks says, I need to get someone that looks like a soulless network executive. <laughs> and apparently there was a, a century 21 real estate office <laughs> next to their next door. And he walked over there and found these two guys. That's fantastic. <laughs> you want to um, be in a movie? Yeah. Sure. Just sit mm. here. And and we know we're going to have to cut staff and we're going to relocate someone. We have a choice of locating some guy right. or Jennifer oh, to Alaska. And she says, Jennifer. send Jennifer. Like blurts it out. With no... you did, we did. I will just go back for a second yeah. to mention the closet scene oh, where yeah. Jennifer takes William Hurt on a tour and acknowledges yes. that she has converted a bedroom into it. And she's like, I'm so tired of being defensive about my closet. I feel like these two can really bond over this. Because I they, think yeah. Bill Hurt loves She's like, this makes perfect sense. He's like, yeah, you're you a genius. See, you can see everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she talks to Tom and she wants to go to the Italian embassy with him. And they, they go off to the party. And there's a scene with Aaron and Tom. Uh, oh yeah yes the confrontation scene and this is my favorite scene this scene is so great I love Tom starts with what do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams keep it to yourself keep it to yourself <laughs> keep it to yourself <laughs> <laughs> 
I have muttered that line since 1987 <laughs> <laughs> numerous times. That's your know it's awful scene yes. line. Yeah. Whenever I'm reading someone who's like, especially on social media nowadays, who's crowing about what yeah. they've accomplished or done, you just go, keep it to yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody thinks it's attractive. Because they want us to do that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we're building our brand. Yep. Yep. This is this thing I don't understand. I, I it just is so anathema to me. Yeah. The hey, I'm doing this great thing, and isn't it amazing? I talk to this, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's, just... it's building. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, they want us to have Twitter accounts. They want mm-hmm. us to promote, oh, yeah. and, and and I I think it's I get it. We're in a cluttered world. But I think there's nothing wrong with saying that you're doing this. I think it's different when you go, I'm so great in this. Oh God, I would this. not do that. Yeah, that's the thing that I, that's what drives me. I don't think, no, now I have to go look at my old tweets. I, I, for, <laughs> for me, as long as I have something to say, yes, I don't like just talking about me, you know? Right. But if I have something to say, I'm happy to say it. Um, and what uh, Tom has to say right now is he has one rule. Never pretend to know something that you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, when I, I, I made a rule for myself, because I knew people like you, and he was talking to Aaron, were going to make fun of me. me through the, no, I'm just saying we're going to make fun of me through the whole thing. And I and I made the rule that I would not, you know, never pretend to know more than I actually know. And Aaron immediately asked him if he knows the, how, the names of the members of the cabinet. He's such is, a jerk. Which is mean. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But he's he is mad because yeah, he he's, is. he's yeah. being, you know... I don't even know if it's passive aggressive. He's being verbally aggressive, which is what he knows how to. And like, if you think about it, he he's the one who got physically beaten up yep. for being a weakling, and Tom is the one who got intellectually beaten up for being stupid. Mm-hmm. That is a great. That is a absolutely fantastic point. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So he's doing it point. to Tom because yeah. that's what he has his weapon. Mm-hmm. But but th- the th- I mean the thing is is that what Tom just said about I never pretend to know something that I don't is not true, you know. Well, he died in the whole. He Libya doesn't know thing, the names of the members of the cabinet. Yeah. Oh, in that moment. Yes. yes. He, and even in the Libya thing, he was. That's all he's doing is pretending. All to he's doing is. I mean, that's what he does as an anchor. Mm. In fact, this whole. I mean, like he doesn't want to go to school. He doesn't want to go learn things. That's why I say he wants to look like he knows these things, mm-hmm. but not I necessarily he, know them. He's actually made the effort and failed. He yeah. knows that studying sure. hard doesn't help him. That's what the report card showed. That yeah. report card scene in the beginning. You, you can stu- work very. Because his dad said, yeah. "You studied really, really. I see you working so hard, but it doesn't. It's not taking." Yeah. I worked with a guy whose name I will not name, but who was <laughs> later off the record. Good, sure, it was he was good looking and charming and great on camera and really nice, genuinely nice guy. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot there. There no. wasn't a there there. Dumb as a box of rocks. He wasn't dumb. I mean, no. that was was so interesting. He just wasn't the real deal. It's not deep. He could act like the real deal, hmm. and he was successful at doing it. He's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Tom drives Jane home, who's exhausted. Um, and she's says she's, I'm a dead lump of poured flesh. And then she invites him up. Yeah. Then she perks up a little (laughs) and he wants to talk about business because he has this idea. Yes. And this is the bad part of this is it. Yeah. And which he does not want her to put down. And basically he pitches a story about date rape Mm -hmm. and she scoffs. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't say anything. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Yep, and I'm thinking, wow, that's the one oh, hugely the false move this the in thing. this movie. This is, is the moment that you guys... Not just oh, this, it's the next one, too. It's actually the well, next it, one. Is, it, it gets worse. It gets worse. Um, is that is that she kind of mocks him. He picks it, you know, for this story, like that's not real news. She He picks her up, carries her to the, to the step, which is kind of a weird thing yeah, considering what we were just talking so. about and i'm like what's happening here because i hadn't seen the movie in forever. Move, right and then they say good night and that's the end um 
And then in the middle of the night, he calls her and she wakes up. Man, Holly Hunter is so cute and sleepy <laughs> in this scene. And and I love that. He, and he asked her to the correspondence dinner and she goes so. So. So you like me, huh? <laughs> That's very sweet. It is really cute. I would have to say, I would never in a million years would that line have come out of my mouth. I'm, I'm her, except I would never have said that to anybody. <laughs> I would have said, I, I would have just relied on the evidence that. Well, what what Brooke says about it is that the is that the only reason she says it is that she's so asleep that yeah. she's not her normal defenses oh, okay. aren't up. That that's, may be that's right. His, but I kind of am with you, like, wow, that's really a little out of character. And his response is, "I like you as much as I can like someone who thinks I'm an asshole," which is real, yeah. one of his astute moments. That <laughs> is he is charming. Exactly right. That's fascinating. So you, I, I, so, so, so the moment bothers you both because. Well, let's get into the next scene. It is a story. Okay, right. It is a story. Right. It's a big deal. But I think she's okay. I hold on. I want to get to the next. The evidence will continue. Yeah, because let's because the next this the first scene is like kind of that's a weird reaction from her. The next scene is where it really comes home. Okay. Um, Really bad. So first of all, Tom's working with Bobby. We talked about this before, and Bobby's so so grateful. By the way, that actor is great. He was in Boston Legal for two years. He's the one to play the guy with the Asperger syndrome. And I think is he the guy? Is he the other cop in the Big Lebowski? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Welcome to the cinephiles. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. um, so now we're, we're going to play the tape, uh, and there's this interview. We see an interview with this rape victim right. who describes her story, which is a horrible, which is a real deal. Yeah. Yes. So, re- you know, and she, you know, it's a horrible, horrible story. Sure. And, and then Albert Brooks has the one stupid line. It is awful. So, so first we, let, let's, let's explain what the scene is because there's a very key moment for yeah. the whole movie here, Yes, which is we're cutting back and forth between her and um William Hurt and William Hurt and then when she says the end of her story we cut back to William Hurt and he is crying mm-hmm. a tear a one tear. tear he was the one tear he did the signal tear mm-hmm. um and of course we also have William Hurt watching this scene and he is smiling and and then sort of diabolically sort I of thought. diabolically <laughs> you all are terrible <laughs> it's true watch and it and then Albert Brooks says because I have to say I'm just I had completely forgotten this part of the story yeah. and on rewatching it I really was kind of I, I was, very horrified. Yeah. So so the Albert Brooks's next line is, can I turn on the news for a second? Because yeah. this is not news. And the next thing he says is, I think you really blew the lid off Nookie. And that is so terrible. That is terrible. And what that is saying, and this is why this, this is why it's so problematic. And we talked about this before. I have no problem with a character in a movie who is racist or sexist, and that's that character. And there's this weird thing is where you see the perspective of the movie itself. And in this scene, it is very clear that we do not take date rape as a serious thing. I disagree completely. Oh, no, no, but you're wrong. No, <laughs> I will defend my point here. I, I disagree because he's in a room full of women and all the women are mad at him. And all the women are shocked that he's saying it's not news. They're mad at him. And in fact, the one woman comes up to Tom or Holly That's a good and point. says, that is a good this point. is an incredible piece. So I don't think it's the movie saying date rape. I'm, they're saying, Aaron, Aaron and Holly Hunter have this ide- idealistic view of what is news. And so that's why Holly Hunter reacts the way she does in the car. And that's why Albert uh, Brooks blurts out what he but, blurts but out. And Holly gone. doesn't stop him. Holly doesn't stop him. So to me, that, that's that's what they thought. Day rape is not news to them. Libya is news. That's news. Day rape is something else. We now, know do I agree? Date rape is news. Absolutely. And I don't disagree with that. It was a I'm poor saying, choice. I'm just saying yeah. if I could have one thing to do about this movie, yeah. I would say go back and pick a different story. 
Well, I don't, but I don't know that the end moment where she does turn on William Hurt at the end finally would exist without that because she is so horrified. About yeah, but he could have done. He could have done, done the same thing that he does in a different setting. Well, what's we? What's we, I, I think you needed to be something stupid, not well, date right. Well, but part of it is what's weird is the setup is because in the scene in the car he says, "Tell me if I'm off track if this is not news," and the right. reaction from Holly Hunter shows that she thinks this is not news. Right. As is that if so, I don't. There's there's one of the hard things to do when you're writing a movie mm-hmm. is you're sometimes balancing an equation of, I want this, but if I have this, I cannot have this. And so one thing it seems like they want is that he's going after to some degree uh, that the choice of the piece that he's going after is is not uh, newsworthy. Mm-hmm. That's one thing they're dealing with. The other thing they're dealing with is we have to have whatever the thing he's going after be emotional enough for him to get single tier right. because that's an important mm-hmm. plot point. I mean, we could play a game saying, let's invent the scene where that works and it isn't just disparaging the right. idea of date rape as yeah. a story. And mm-hmm. so and, and and so it's like if you the more serious you make the date rape thing, the more you undermine Aaron and yeah. Holly's disparagement of that particular story. And that's where and particularly looking at 2018 eyes for me, I was like, ah, this is not balancing out 100%. right for me. And then when I watched it originally, I was, it's odd. I, at that point, I think I'd covered the EEOC, the, you know, and, mm. and knew all about sexual harassment yeah. as a thing. Sure. And I don't remember bumping on it. But this time I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't bump on that. Well, this is the thing. This has happened to us over and over again. Now we're watching a thing, a movie we love. And then yeah. all of a sudden you go, oh. Yeah, I it hurts. But, but it's also you've I, watched the movie. I respect your both point of view. Absolutely, I'm talking about the psychology of the characters, and I don't. And that's what is for me what I focus on, of 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 what we have with Jane and what we have with Aaron, and what their approach to what they think news is. And uh, I get your points, though. Your points absolutely valid and make sense. And yes, of course, now look in 2018 eyes. Today's world, it, you could it is not absolutely. I mean, you, that, you can't disparage. Exactly. You would never have that reaction right. in yeah. today's world. And But I would argue that I that's I think it was like, because, that's James L. Brooks showing through what his opinion is. Hmm. And I, okay. I, I say this as a person who had to sit through Spanglish. Oh, and Jesus. Right. See, I never uh, saw, I never yeah, saw that it. film. There were the, the misogyny. Mm. Directed at the female, Le- at the Tia Leone character, yeah. you had to feel sorry for her. Yeah. I think she was miserable making the film, and and that's a that's a James L. Brooks, you know, he, his personal issues with women. Who he, he does this great feminist role that's with Holly so Hunter, bizarre to me. and then well, suddenly this thing lunches out. And also in terms of endearment too, like that Deborah Winger and Cheryl McLean are very powerful uh, characters well, in that film as well that James does. So. Well, and it's like Mary Tyler Moore, and then even um, what's, oh, her, yeah, what, what's her name in Taxi? Um, is Mary Foster? No, 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 not oh, Taxi Mary Driver. Lou oh, Mary Lou Henner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wrong Taxi. Totally, totally different Taxi. Um, <laughs> Funny to get that. Well, and it's up. such a weird thing where you see people who like no, Andy Kaufman in that one. Yeah, you seem to be this. Um, yeah, and then you do something. It's like the James Cameron comments about Ugh. Wonder Woman. It's although like, I actually I'm with him on that. Ooh, I actually have interviewed him about this. This is fun. Oh, this is interesting. And the, what he is simply saying. We did a piece on this. Okay. I did write a. I wrote a piece about this, and uh, and he had made the comment. And I asked him if he stood by the comment, and he said yes. Yeah. And I have to admit, I was already. He is saying that his, that the character in Terminator is a real woman and a, a gritty. She is played for TNA, yeah. whereas Wonder Woman 
And while he said it's a fun, wonderful thing, but let's not act like we're inventing the wheel here because Jane Fonda did it in Barbarella with the bustier and the hot bod and the whole look. And that is not as feminist as the character I created. Now, he's an egomaniac. I know from long experience with Jim Cameron, but he's also very brilliant. And I think he's actually right. It's the, the, The character in Terminator is a much more groundbreaking character than Wonder Woman. All right, that's a whole like wormhole, <laughs> and I'm going to step around it. That would yeah, be a great Patreon conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, can um, <laughs> and then, and then Ernie wants to talk to Ernie is uh, Frank Prosky, mm-hmm. and he wants to talk to Robert God damn it! No, I don't. So know I said Bill, and then I said I said Frank. Justin um, Bateman the other day. Oh. Um, talked on live radio, Justin Bateman, because I was thinking obviously I was conflating Jason and Justine. Oh yeah, and right. I, I oh wait, I feel very bad for anybody who screws up like that because it's the worst because people <laughs> come really, after you like on all it's, it's like, on social you media do it. on youtube you do it. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly it's like i'm gonna say ten thousand things yeah. and some of them are not gonna come out right, right. so <laughs> the worst thing is on twitter is when the one person who's never said a word to you all brings up when you mess up a, a, a name or mess up something and they just go hey by the way yeah, it's like, this i'm so superior like, you jerk off i don't see you doing what i'm doing yeah. being are you on, on live tv have yeah. you ever done that with millions yeah. of people watching you yeah um have you been Open up a window in your mom's basement. You son of a okay. So anyway, go ahead. So, so Prosky, we're turning and, into Aaron right now. <laughs> I've got shades of him. I've got shades of him. So Prosky and Aaron head outside because uh, he wants to talk to him, and he basically is giving him a warning, like maybe you should start looking somewhere else. Yeah, uh, and which is like a moment where I could just feel the adrenaline of yeah. of, of oh shit I'm I'm so in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he begs like give me a shot at the anchor. That's why we You're, can't judge. You them. know what? I think you make a great point about that. I I, I really do. Um and he and he says, "Okay, yeah. you know what? We could do it this Saturday." Yeah. Um and he just says, "Prepare carefully." And the first reaction is like, "I am pre- I mean like yeah, I do you know Saturday's news right now. Yeah, he's yeah. so ready to go." Um he says, "No, no, performance things." Yeah. And that's your first hint that something's going Gonna go on and he says I think I'd better be alone for a while I understand I'll go with you thanks <laughs> that's just people great people know each other right that's Types just great people know each other it's great so we're gonna do some training and who has Aaron brought in to be his coach oh 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 Mr. Idealism now using Tom to coach him all of a sudden exactly yep. ridiculous yep. everybody compromises yes yep. yes <laughs> there's no perfect perfect morality so so not only does the thing of sitting on your coat come from Susan Zrinsky, but it actually came because she did not like the way Bill Hurt was anchoring. She thought, and this is what she said. How to ironic. Him. She said, she said, she let, went up to him and said, you look wimpy. <laughs> he has a little streak of that. And and then she sure. said, and then she, she told him, you have to feel like the energy is coming out of your ass. I don't know why it works that way, but it That's, does. Wow. I'm now you've, that's going to be in my head. Yeah. And I that, mean, I have tried doing that when I've done TV. I've oh, pulled yeah. my jacket back like yeah. that oh, because yeah. of this movie. I do it in like, not even in TV. I do it when I'm hanging in out. life? Yeah, <laughs> weddings or whatever. I try to sit on my jacket. look good here. This never movie. ever occurred to me. Channeling this Bill Hurt character. <laughs> Ever since um, this movie. Um, and, you know, he gives him some tips on the teleprompter and, and, you know, which is his good side and tells him you should punch word and word in every sentence and... And it is funny because we have seen Tom be really, really good at this. Yes. You know, he's got that part down. And then after they're walking out, he says, just remember that you're not just reading the news or narrating. 
Everybody has to sell a little. You're selling them this idea of you. You know, you're sort of saying, trust me, I'm um, credible. Yeah. And I see this is, again, another reason we can't judge Aaron, because he's trying to follow all of these directions. Yeah. And actually, we we skipped over a thing that he does in that earlier scene, which I, I thought was so funny, where they're doing the Libya story and and the the William Hurt character says something and Albert Hooks watching is like, aren't like something like, aren't we alliterative? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, a lot of alliteration from anxious anchors placed in powerful posts. A lot of alliteration <laughs> yeah. from anxious anchors. And then he, he, he does that back at him later, yeah. which is a very funny thing. But he's so you have the situation where he knows his job is online. He knows his everything matters. And he's trying to do all this stuff that would not have been in his head if this schmuck hadn't come in the newsroom in the first place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So he's trying to cram. Yeah, he's trying to he's cram. Cramming. Uh like maybe months. And by the way, I had this happen with the weekend. person I interviewed at NPR and it and fortunately it wasn't live at all. But but watching this person un, just completely shut down and literally sweat like that. Yeah. Was so awful and then we couldn't use any of the tape. It was That's terrible. the flop sweat's the worst. I've t- I've had it. Yeah. I have I've, never I'm a, well, I'm a sweater. God, I've never had it. <laughs> I, I sweat anyway. Yeah. But it's funny is it's like doing this kind of thing this doesn't stress me out sure. at all. Like not on camera. I've done, I've done I've been on camera a few times. That doesn't stress me out as much. Okay. Um but when have you flop sweated then? Uh so <laughs> Well, one story that is not appropriate for this situation. Okay. All right. Um, uh, when I was directing on the uh, set, uh, I, I finally it was like I have to bring three shirts to sw- to set. Wow. Because I just so wow. I'm so stressed. Yeah. You know, and I and there's just so much going on as a director. You know, you, my feeling is like you you make ten thousand decisions a day, right. most of which aren't terribly important. You know, it's just like oh, put your foot a little bit farther forward or something. Yeah. But just the constant. Yeah. Everything, every single thing I'm doing right now matters. Yeah. I sweat Fortunately, my reaction was to become very thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> I do not sweat, but I am desperately, desperately needing water. The whole time. Oh, interesting. So you get, you get dry mouth and. Totally. I, yeah. I, when I'm really, I mean, the first time I think I did live radio. It's funny because when I go on TV, I just go into denial that anybody's watching. Yeah. I literally have gone on Good Morning America thinking, who watches the show? Really? Yeah, no, <laughs> I just. Go into that headspace. But first time I had to do live radio, it felt so much more pressure because all people are doing is hearing you. Right. Or nobody's looking at you. And somehow that enhances the the content is so much more important. Anyway, I think I'm over it. (laughs) A certain amount of time, I think you get kind of used to anything. Well, yeah. Um, Holly's getting ready to go. She's got a new hairdo. She looks very beautiful. She's, yeah. In the, that dress. I'm going to the White House Correspondents Dinner. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, most Washington press people, not that well dressed. <laughs> um, uh, I've been and, to the White House Correspondents Dinner multiple times. And of course, right <laughs> when Holly's about to have a moment with Tom, who shows up at Aaron? Yep. Of course he does. Every damn time. Oh, I spin something on my tan, tan jacket. I need you to help me pick out a jacket. Biggest and pick out a blocker tie. that ever was. Oh, <laughs> yes. Guy. Agreed. Doing some serious blocking. <laughs> uh, get a call from Tom. Apparently, he's trying to decide where the rent tux or buy it. Uh, of course, he bought it. And very expensive, yes. Yeah. I che- for, for I, that so, time. Yeah. You, you I checked check- it out. I did. It's uh, So the $1,140 tux would be $2,300 today. That makes sense. Which would get a wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's definitely worthy of, yeah. worthy of a wow. And... 
now Aaron, of course, is getting. She puts the perfume on in the cute. I, I, that's a very mirrors. memorable scene to me. That you read something that she's probably sitting in her doctor's office waiting <laughs> yeah. for an appointment, reading some stupid women's magazine, and she sprays the perfume and, and walks. In. By the way, that I've tried. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's scientifically proven. I don't know. Um, and uh, and that's when Aaron starts to go. So this is a date, and she says, "No, of course it's not a date." The way she says, it's "Not a date." The way <laughs> she does that, I love that. It's not a date. It's co-workers going to a professional conclave. As she drops her condoms into her oh. into her purse. And the that, look she gives to the camera, like... It's just a yeah. perfect directorial yeah. moment. I totally forgot um, about the condoms. Totally forgot. Oh, yeah, the condom was in there. That is key. That's why they yep. have to leave, the, yep. not go through the, the yeah. security line. I totally um, forgot. Although that is a little bit of license, right? Because they never make us really dump out our purses. No. Um, we, uh, she heads, uh, off at a cab. She gives him her, her shoulder pads, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, back at the network cause this is going to be his big chance. He's writing copy. He writes good copy. Yeah. Um, we're at the correspondence dinner and she's standing on some balcony looking out into the crowd. She sees him and she says, if he looks up and sees me, yeah. we're meant to be together. Yeah. If not, we're not. And does he look up and see her? Of course he does. And his reaction is great. Mm-hmm. Hand on the heart. Very romantic. Back. It's lovely and romantic. That's yep. a great moment. Yeah. Time for the broadcast. <laughs> oh, poor Aaron. So, by the way, uh, uh, Brooks uh, couldn't figure out. He knew a disaster had to happen, but he didn't know what it was. James L. Brooks. James L. Brooks. Okay. And it's, it's um, yeah, sorry. I yeah. Yes, said. Multiple it is Brooks-es. Albert Brooks who comes up with the, uh, the flop sweat. Oh, that's, that's his brilliant. idea. Which is very Albert Brooks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and this was extremely hard to do. Sometimes it's. Funny I was wondering think, about it because first of all, anytime you have someone sweating, you have to make sure for continuity exactly how much the sweat, sweat are yeah. they at the same time. Yeah, he, they probably had fifty shirts, you know, because they had to have it at different. As soon as there's too much sweat, you have to take that shirt off and start again. We know, and then in terms of editing, going tracking exactly where he is in this process, yeah. and what his reactions to it are. And it is so painful. I found and it funny. to be very painful. Yeah. <laughs> it's really painful. <laughs> it's so bad because he's just slowly falling apart. Yeah. And the key, and I think the key, this is just the key things, and maybe you could speak to too in terms of like directing actors, is that you never tell someone act nervous. What because people are never trying to be nervous. That yeah. would be a, you never try to be nervous. What people are trying to do when they are nervous is don't let anyone see I'm nervous. Right. Don't be nervous. And you see all of that battle going on with Albert Brooks. How am I going to keep it together when everything's falling apart? What's great is hearing the little lines from everyone around him, (laughs) which which accentuates the situation. He's just hearing in real time that it's as bad as he thinks it is. The guy's like, the guy behind the camera's like, is anyone seeing this? And and the girl (laughs) runs over with the towel and she goes, do you have a bigger one? <laughs> and then the bangs, face. the backdrop. And the blow yeah, dryers. And this that, little hand is visible. Your hand's from... in the shot. Your hand's in the shot. So the backdrop uh, moving was an accident oh. on the set. Oh, and, then, and then they saw it was they so great. It. They were like, oh, we got so we to keep this. That's it one of those happy hilarious. accidents. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Poor Aaron. And, and it ends with... 120 people were reported injured. At least 22 people dead. Commercial. I wish I were one of them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh my God. And, what a film. We've gotten to the point where, yes, they have to go through the metal detector and purses are getting searched. And she goes, We got to go. <laughs> yeah. She cannot they, allow her condom to be seen. Yeah. And we're at the Lincoln Memorial and we're going to have that first kiss. And the first one is a little awkward. Yep. Yeah. And then he does this weird thing. 
<laughs> where his hands are sort of healing <laughs> her up there. Rova, it's yes. really odd. And she says, you know, if you're going to do that, you should at least kiss me. Yeah. yeah. And you can see it. She plays this, um, you know, like super aroused state yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she, you can just feel oh, the yeah. lust that she is lusting for this yeah. person. And his response to that is you just can't stop editing me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they have yeah. a, then they have the really good kiss. Yeah, and that's a reshoot. No, oh. James Brooks was going. I want to have one of the great movie kisses. And when they first shot it, he just didn't feel he had it. Wow. And so they went back to do it again. I'll tell you, I do wonder whether because I always think of a, an officer and a gentleman and how much they Richard oh, Gere yeah. and Deborah Winger hated each other. And I wonder how it was because I know William Hurt can be kind of awful. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder for Holly Hunter, was it like? I have to, this guy is driving me nuts or were they getting along? Was he? Yeah. He's like, that was the whole thing with Marley Mellon and him. He, from what I'd read in the reports that he became super jealous that she won her Oscar so quickly and he had worked so hard to win his that they were on equal footing and he didn't like it. And she was the one getting offers a little more than he was after the situation, blah, blah, blah. It became a thing that ended up their marriage. So I'm not surprised. So maybe a powerful woman coming in on her second movie taking well, control yeah. would have ruffled behaved. it wrong who I, knows I, I, I have a female journalist t- told me a bad story too which oh yeah is uh you know he's lucky i mean he may have luck who knows how lucky he is or isn't but yeah i'm just saying so they have their kiss and he's like let's go back to my place and she goes i have to go see aaron <sighs> this is more but this is more her she being shows, a friend this is more hey he didn't call her up you call you get to tell call. you i was very like Watching it now instead of then, really, like, girlfriend, what is your problem? Yeah, why? Yeah, that's what I think. It's, I mean, yes, Aaron had a big night. Of course but... he had, but she doesn't even know how bad yeah. it was. She is assuming that she has to go see him. Right. Nobody's told her it was a no. disaster. So uh, there's zero world in which I would be going to see Aaron in that yeah. situation. Fair. I, th- I Honestly, I think part of it is she has this conscience that knows that Tom is not, that, there, that she shouldn't be in love with Tom. You know, yeah, but once she starts the kissing, it's all over. But the shouting, mm-hmm. in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, uh, we're back at Aaron's. She says she's going to come. She tells Tom to, yeah, I'm going to come I'm back, come back to your yeah. place. Yeah, uh, we go back to Aaron's. At first, he's joking about it, and you know, then like reverse helped. the order, dude. Go back with Aaron. Exactly, William Hurt. <laughs> go see, and then go check on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, with what's about to happen between them, yeah, and how he's going to treat her. Which is uh, terrible. Yeah, we're we're back at Aaron's, and he, you know, reveals about the sweat, which she doesn't believe. How bad could it be? And then, no, it ends up it really, really is bad. And she asks, "Why are you so chipper?" I don't know. I don't know. At some point, it was so off the chart bad, it just got funny. And again, this is a moment where my wife turned to me and said, "You're Albert Brooks." Because <laughs> that is exactly my attitude yes, about things. I have the same kind, mostly. Things. I start laughing at like when things are really horrible. I, just I do too. I just like it becomes funny. It's funny. I, I just imagine the story in the future, you know, like, right. remember that time that this disaster Nobody, happened? Yeah. My central nervous system was telling me something. Jane, sweat pouring down my face, makeup falling into my eyes, people turning on this fuselot of blow dryers on my head. Also, I could read introductions to other people <laughs> who were covering the stories, which is what I like to do anyway. It's not supposed to be the anchor. Yeah. You know, it's so obvious. Like, no, you're a reporter. This is not your gig. Um, and he can't creepy. sell and punch and sell the idea and sell yourself and all yeah. that's not him. Yeah, he wants to be maybe out in front. another era he could have anchored. Yeah, maybe. But he but but honestly, it's like he should be out finding the story and being the guy right, in the he's field. He's got the that's... skills. But you I think that 
you know, the guys who became anchors were supposed to have had that. Well, they certainly did experience, back in the day. Right? I mean, yeah, Murrow so. and all those guys, they were in World War II. So he was... hypothetically, if it weren't the emphasis on being movie star gorgeous and yeah. super charming. Right. Um, and he's like, okay, let's have some tequila and eggs. And she has to go. She wants to go. Yeah, to meet Tom. She should have gone. <laughs> she should have. Um, and because then God she God only says, knows what would have happened, but she should have gone. Yeah. She says, I may be in love with him. And this is when he just loses it on her. Yeah. I knew it. Get out of my house now. I want you out of here. Get out of here. I'm not kidding. Get out of here. You go to hell. But he's right. It's one of the great speeches of a movie. Well, it's another one of those right. lines. He's not right to go get out of my house and yell that at her. That part is not right. No. Right. But it's, it's human. That I, I found mm-hmm. very believable. Um, absolutely. And then he's totally rejected. And then he makes her come back and he says, I have to say something. And she's like, go ahead. He's like, no, I need a minute. Takes his minute, comes back in. And you're right. This speech Mm. about Tom being the devil. Brilliant. Is brilliant. You can't end up with Tom because it totally goes against everything that you're about. Yeah. Being a basket case. I know you care about him. I've never seen you like this with anybody, so don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. And it is funny because, of course, I don't actually think Tom is the devil. I think what he represents... I think he is the devil. I I think what he represents is evil, you know? Yes, that's the devil. (laughs) Synonym. Well, except the devil is trying to do evil. I don't think Tom is trying to do evil. Well, Tom is just doing what he's doing. But that's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, he's, he's an instrument of evil. And he's a willing instrument of evil. Whether he's fully conscious of the evil, he's too dumb to yeah. realize. You know, evil is rather banal in the end, in the final agree. analysis. And he, the fact that he's too dumb to realize how evil it is doesn't get him off the hook right yeah i mean well and what is he's creating is you know what he is a part of is this movement towards something that's going to be super unhealthy for all of us i feel like you got a lot of stuff <laughs> i'm not gonna comment i think i i don't 100 agree so well so why we'll aren't you arguing on. huh why aren't you arguing well because <clears throat> tom is reading the room and he's reading the public and james l brooks gives you the public at that opening speech with holly hunter and them all clapping at the dominoes. And that's, so what do I do? Do I create this anchor that no one's going to watch and no one's going to hear the news? Or do I acquiesce and create this other anchor just to be able to get some of the news across? And later at the end scene, when they're having the battle in the airport, Tom says it's really hard when they keep moving the line. He's trying to survive as best as he knows how. Okay, so it's with a limited sympathetic skills. portrayal of well, the devil. Yeah, I would sympathy say. for the devil. <laughs> it's a sympathetic portrayal of the you devil. You can use a little music in the yeah, background. Yeah, right. But I, I, I get what he represents absolutely, and we see it happening more and more. I mean, we don't want to get too political, but we see it happening. We see it happening. Yeah, with in certain news oh. networks, for lack of a better <laughs> term, where so they're called news networks. Yeah, where they're they're not telling the full truth or they're making it a, a more dramatic than it actually is for ratings, for effects. They're leaving and, out and, critical information. They're yes. spinning everything. It's not news. Yep. Right. To, to I me, won't go on that air. That's like a oh, rule. Really? I, I will yeah. not go on that air. Yeah. Um, to me, to me, uh, to, the metaphor is always nutrition, which is the, 
fast food has scientists figuring out how to get you to eat this thing. Yes. And people, and they are really working. If we sure. push this much salt and this much fat and this right. much sugar, you're going to keep eating it. And it is really, really bad for you. Yeah. And you go like, oh, well, we have a, you know, a fiscal responsibility well, to is, our stockholders. This is a great analogy, Steve. To, in order to, you know, to right. succeed as mm-hmm. a business. And therefore, we must continue well, this agenda that is making us all sick It's basically and the us. movie business too right now, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and, you, and you, it's a great analogy, Steve, because the object is to be fed. Right. Right? So I, my argument is, well, he's still delivering the news. Right. But, but, it, the, but, if but I, not at the he's, level. He's, you're right. he's serving but if, hamburger. Yeah, but if I see, hamburger. I see but what if you're I'm saying. Causing, Back uh, at Burger King. If right? I'm causing <laughs> obese, obesity and malnutrition uh, among children, right. then maybe I shouldn't do this. Yeah. What do you think the devil's going to look like if he's around? God. Come on. No one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. You're serious. He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. And it's really hard. Like, you're, if you're the news network that is really wants to do exactly mm-hmm. the right thing and you're getting killed in the ratings and you're going to lose your business, right? well, then you, how do you compete in that space? And it's really, you know, this is not an easy question to answer. Right. Um, the answer for me is, like, you listen to NPR and lots of, podca- <laughs> and lots yeah, of podcasts. Yeah, you don't watch junk and you don't eat yeah, junk. Right. Nobody's making you do it. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have the sense to know shit from Shinola, right. then you don't have to... Be the victim of that. And so Albert makes this great speech. And what is the last thing he says on the speech? I grant you everything. But give me this. He personifies everything that you've been fighting against. And I'm in love with you. Oh, I know. I cringed again. <laughs> See, this I, is great hearing it from a woman's point of view. Because <laughs> we're all like, oh, Aaron, damn it. And, and uh, I'm thinking, ooh. oh, my God, this is so awkward. <laughs> Because not only is it awkward, but it also, you just corrupted the entire speech you just gave. You know, your jealousy of this guy, you know, if you had said, I am your friend, and I just, this is what I think about this guy, but if you end it with, I'm in love with you, you're not supposed to be Well, he's admitting that he is jealous, yeah. which is integrity. Bury the lead. I, I guess it is I integrity. The lead. Yeah, I buried the lead. Um but yes, it's a, I mean, it's a combo platter, right? It's like, he's right about both right. things, right? Yes, he is this part of the bad thing that's happening in our business, but I'm also jealous. And I love the end where he goes, I never, I, I never fought over anyone before. Does anyone ever win these things? Mm-hmm. Not in this movie. <laughs> no. But then he does the jerkiest thing because she, she, she feels bad for him. Yeah. She calls Tom, says, I'm not going to come over. Then Tom or say she's gonna be a little bit longer then tom says you know what for they have an exchange with aaron but then she says tom, then tom says you know what it's cool stay with him you don't have to come over so he has produced the scene the situation and she doesn't like it but it happens and then aaron in an ultimate jerk move goes well jane thanks for coming over i know it, it's that was the really worst. the jerkiest he's move. a jerk i agree he is a jerk <laughs> Aaron, a re- you're a jerk <laughs> there's a reason why those guys at school kept beating him up i mean <laughs> yeah, it's I think not, so too. i mean i you know you feel for the smart kid yeah. that gets beat up but 
Insane. But if you ask for it all the time, I, when you make the speech that says you were all terrible to me, and yeah. I'm glad to be leaving you. I <laughs> well, mean, you come tell on. poor Joan Cusack, oh no, no. When you pucker up and kiss someone's yeah. ass, that's, he's a mean guy sometimes. He's got a streak. Back yes. at work, uh, Jane decides to confront Tom. <laughs> um, opens up a door, starts yelling at him, and of course, Tom's dad's there. That's yeah, great. He has that line. I, um, he doesn't seem like an affectionate person or something. <laughs> yeah. My mother said this to me about a woman I dated for five years. She said. Don't ask for my advice if you don't need it, but I don't think she's the right person for you because no one who likes you or loves you talks should talk to you like that. And it was like interesting to hear the dad say that always. Yeah. Jack Nicholson has shown up because now it's time to lay <laughs> some people off. Yeah. 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 Um, by the way, so Joan Cusack comes up to him and they have a little moment. Oh, that's so gross too. Yeah. Apparently James Brooks told Nicholson five minutes before the take about not only the affair that he's had with Joan Cusack's character, but oh, he all has of... had in the past. Wow. I thought it was a hypothetical for the future. No, apparently in the past. Yeah. It's a weird, it's really a weird moment. What? Wait yeah. a minute. What? They did not tell you this in the movie. No, no. So this is a I background I did have character. a moment a... of thinking, did they? But they don't answer that the question. The backstory oh. that he told both actors is they have already had an affair. And it gave them all the details. You met at some conference. You did this thing. Joan Cusack and Jack Nicholson. Yes. Their characters. Well, like the... rolling the hay, right? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Tom and Bill meet. And now we start the firings. Yeah. Joan, Joan Cusack's character got fired. Uh, Paul asked to see Tom. So we think, oh, what's going to happen with Tom? And while Tom's waiting to see uh, Paul, who's the executive, out comes this guy. <laughs> it's a great line. It is a great line. Oh, great line. Now, if there's anything I can do for you. Well, I certainly hope you'll die soon. <laughs> Even his I secretary. I remember laughing so hard when that line, I first heard that line. His secretary goes, oh. <laughs> and by the way, a key bit of directing is that after you have a line like that, you have to have a pause because yes. otherwise people are going to laugh over the next line. Mm-hmm. And there's a good, there's a good long time for us to respond to that. Um, and uh, Tom finds out he's going to get the London desk. Mm-hmm. He's Which not he being fired. He actually thinks it's a demotion. <laughs> thinks it's a demotion. <laughs> so damn stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, Ernie's character, Robert Prosky, yeah. uh, he's also been fired. Jane is getting his job. Mm-hmm. And let's see. And he very gracefully says, you know, you're not better than me, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a nice, it's a nice. He doesn't say you're, I mean, it's very nice that he doesn't go, you're not as good as me. He right. says, you're not better than me. And we find out that uh, Aaron has quit rather than, yeah. that it would have kept him on. What a paragon of virtue, Aaron. Well, they were trying to make him a utility player, which yeah. he didn't yeah. want to be. Um, and I, I think he needs to go out on his own. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for a lot of reasons too, because oh, he needs yeah. to get away from Jane. You know, sure, but also he he hated working there, and it was very well. It was becoming a very um, not what he signed up for. Yeah, little moment with Tom and Aaron, and this is where it gets revealed (laughs) that no, London, they're grooming you to be the network anchor. You idiot! You idiot! Aaron's reaction is great. I don't believe this. (laughs) Um, and I and I love too that Tom says to him, "You know, I'm going to miss you. You're a prick, but in a great way." <laughs> Which actually, that is a compliment. That yes. is one of his moments of clarity that yeah. he yeah. intermittently has, so that you don't just say he's too stupid to live. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like he could actually wake up and get dressed in the morning. <laughs> um, we got Tom to hang out with Kim Masters. More. I know, seriously. <laughs> and Aaron asked Tom one question: You only had one camera crew on that daybreak piece, right? Yeah. And it's really underplayed and it's really small. Yep. But you smell it. Okay, what? Yes. (laughs) Um, We got Tom and Jane, uh, and she's just sick to her stomach. She just feels awful. Yeah. He does not. 
Now, and part of it is he said, I haven't been here that long. Right. You know, said, this happens at every station I've been at. I'm yeah. tired of feeling yeah, bad. Yeah, he's part of the new wave. Yeah. And I like his line. I can't feel bad because I because I don't feel worse. Yeah. That, you know what? I There's some truth in that line. Absolutely. He's honest. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made that consistent with the character, he should be faking sadness. Right. Oh, that's mm-hmm. an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, and he says, do you got any time off? And she says 14 weeks. So we know she's never <laughs> I knew that a was going to be like a long Never took in a day. Yeah. Wait, he, where, this is where she and I totally, because I do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you take your days. My days are so important to me. Yeah. Um, and he says, look, I got a week. Let's go away to an island and figure out what this is. Um, and she says, yes. And they kiss. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to meet with Albert. And you, there's that line that you mentioned of. All right. I'll meet you at the place near the thing where we went that time. Okay, I'll meet you there. That is a great line. Great line. Brilliant. And we have a scene with Albert. And it does remind me of when Harry met Sally. Absolutely. There's some connections. Absolutely. Well, in particular, I was thinking with her uh, telling the cab driver what to do and Sally ordering. Totally. Yeah. And and the difference, I think, is that Sally, you go, man, she is so, you know, uh, persnickety and high maintenance about exactly what she wants. She's ethical. Yeah. Hyper ethical. Um, And whereas... Jane, I believe that is, in fact, the best way to drive that cab, cab that she's <laughs> yeah. correct. Oh, I absolutely believe it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we're meeting with, uh, it's a weird scene with Albert at the end. He's I'm still it. angry. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the end end? Not the end end. We're at the, they're at, a, they're at the cafe. Yeah. And we're talking about what it's going to be like. Oh, yeah. Future. She's like, be smart. And I have to say that when I first saw that movie, it baffled me a little bit. That scene, I was like, he's mean. Yeah, yes, he is. Genuinely me. You know, she asks what's going to happen to us, and he says, What will happen? Okay, that's very easy. Five, six years from now, I'll be back in town to collect an award representing the surge in foreign coverage by local stations. <laughs> anyway, I'll be walking along with my wife and my two lovely children, and we'll bump into you. And my youngest son will say something, and I will tell him it's not nice to make fun of single fat ladies. Yes, yeah, another piece that of is incredible a, James L. Brooks sexism, ladies. And I mean, gentlemen. that is a really nasty. But see, I but I think Aaron's a jerk through the whole movie. So for me, uh, that he makes sense that he would say those things. Yes, so, I'm not, I don't think it's out of character. If, right at so, that point, he's so angry and yeah, bitter. Yeah. And then and then and then he kind of tries to walk it back. I'm not really that mad. And he has another line of, uh, "I'll miss you, and we'll talk, and we'll still remain friends, and we'll get hot for each other every few years, and we'll never act on it." <laughs> and okay, I gotta go. And then he stops. That moment when he stops, ugh, the whole film changes. And he says, "Their whole life, all their lives change from that moment." And so he, he stops and he turns and he says, "Do you know how Tom had tears in his eyes in that interview we did with that girl?" Ask yourself how we were able to see that when he only had one camera and it was pointed at the girl during the entire interview. I'm fairly sure I was right to tell you. Fairly sure I was supposed to tell you. I think that's a great line. Mm -hmm. I'm fairly sure I'm doing the right thing by telling you. Is he doing the right thing? To their friendship, I think he is. In my opinion, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to give him a break on this one. I think so, And I I appreciate his... his, uh, reticence about it and yeah. his, his hesitation which is out of actual love for her yeah. and equally out of love for her he figures it's not helping anybody to let her live in delusion about right. this guy mm-hmm. yeah uh jane watches the tape oh the horrible moment cries the reaction's so great it's great and the way that james leaves the camera on her 
to see the range of her reaction is great. That Albert was right the whole time, or Aaron was right the whole time. Um, Which she sort of knew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she knew from the beginning. I mean, she said she in the sense. first scene when she met him, you're like everything I yeah, despise. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's like, you know, it doesn't apply to female anatomy so much, but it's always like the little head takes over for the big head. Mm. So in- <laughs> That's inter- vulgar. Don't use that. <laughs> you can use it if you want. That's vulgar. But it's vulgar. <laughs> Do you want me to use it or not use it? I don't care. Okay. Um, Put in the fact that I was not sure. <laughs> um, James I'll L- think it over. Okay. <laughs> Uh, James L. Brooks, when they're making this movie, had no idea who she would end up with throughout the whole film. Wow. He couldn't figure it out if she would end up with Aaron or end up with Tom. He thought, I'm just going to let the movie decide. And in a way, this is like Casablanca, where they, he didn't, they didn't know in Casablanca who's going to end up, she's going to end up with Rick or Victor Laszlo. It's also the one that, what was the Sony one with the servants that were the butlers in love with the Raise maid? The day. Right. Yes, yes. because there, we. This is a story that's in hit and run. Uh, that Mark Canton was at then at, at the Columbia Pictures, or I think it was Columbia label, watches it in a screening and yells out like, "It's fifty million if they get together." And mm-hmm. you know, and fifty million less if if they don't get together, <laughs> which of course the integrity of the story is right, right. that they don't. But you know, I have to admit, watching it back in the day as a younger woman mm. it killed me that it was he left that with that yeah neither right. one because we go to the airport mm-hmm. and uh he's all ready to go on the trip he's wearing a bikini around his neck yeah it's weird it's like, very odd all goofy that was bill, that bill hurt's idea by the way <laughs> of course it was. um and course, yeah we're shocked and they they get into it that's not the reason you're not coming of course it's the reason it's terrible what you did we disagree on how god-awful it was. Why don't you come with me? We'll disagree and we'll get a tan at the same time. Jesus, if you're going to be glib about this, I'm going to lose it! Jane, keep it down. Jane. I was, Jane. I was up all night and... Jane. It made me ill. That's better. You could get fired for things like that. I got promoted for things like that. Working up tears for a news piece cutaway. You totally crossed the line between it's what hard is not to and what cross is garbage. It. They keep moving a little sucker, don't they? And there's a little bit of logic that makes sense because he's like, it's not. It's the oh, line isn't moving. Well, he's moving. Yes, yeah, true. And but he's also saying, I almost cried anyway. What's the difference? Right. And it's an interesting argument to make because he's not fake in his emotion. He was fake in doing the acting. Well, the emotion goes to the Albert Brooks little by little. Yeah. Right. Yep. Oh, God. What have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, And he says, look, here's the ticket. You're, you know what deadlines are. Yeah. And he heads off through security and she sits and waits. Where he's going to pick somebody up in the bar the minute the plane lands. Absolutely. (laughs) Or maybe on the plane. (laughs) Do you think at at any time did you think she was going to go end up with Tom? Hell no. 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 Not at all. I had this desire for her to at least sleep with Tom. Yes. Yeah. Like, please just have the do it. Yeah. And then you can regret it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You can regret it later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gets in a cab, asks her to go to DuPont Circle, <laughs> starts to give the directions. She's, yeah. Then she's not. Then she doesn't. And then she does. And she, of mm-hmm. course she Which does. is very funny. Um, and now we're. Uh, I couldn't figure out whether it was BWI or Dulles or. Oh, which, I think oh, it was. Part? Dulles. I think it looked like Dulles. It had the Dulles. people mover, but it didn't yep. look like Dulles, but they've changed Dulles a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
and now it's seven years later and Tom's making a speech because he's taken over the big job. <laughs> and uh, and he's more confident. Yep. You can see totally. the way his hair is done, the stance. Yeah, he's grown even into the, the suit he's wearing. persona. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, he talks about the importance of his managing editor he's going to have. And yeah. we see Aaron there with a kid. Um, <laughs> mini version of himself. Mini version of himself. Yeah. Um, and then we're sort of after. And Aaron introduces his son, Cliff, to, to Tom. He's like, do you know who this is? Do you know who this is? A big joke? <laughs> Such a bitter guy. Classic Aaron. Um, yeah. And now there's Jane, and we're it's it's raining, and we meet up, and she has a red umbrella because she's gonna go to work. Because she's gonna Tom. go to work for Tom, which leaves a little ambiguity of whether they do end up together. I, this is the first time in seeing the film five million times. This is the first time that it struck me that they might end up together. Anyway, or they might repeat the pattern again. Right. I don't know why I didn't catch. He marries the, last the blonde. Few times. They have an affair. It's awful. The way he, yeah, because <laughs> the way he goes in to kiss her, he almost kisses her on the lips. In fact, he keeps his face so he could. She's the one that turns yep. and gives the cheek. He was going to kiss her on the lips, right, right there. in front of Aaron. And Aaron is sitting there once again in the newsroom watching it all over again. Well, <laughs> it's so insane. I, I think something else too, which I have no evidence for whatsoever. I think in these last seven years, they have had sex. What? what? <laughs> you think Tom and Jane have had sex? Yes. No. Disagree completely. All right. I respect your. I respect your. I'm just trying to process. Uh, like, yeah. I think even... they were at something at some place somewhere. And there were drinks, and they ended up having sex. Hmm. Well, then what is he doing with that blonde? Well, he is the devil. I mean, we have to <laughs> he be clear. is the devil. He wants um, both. And. And, wife and, and, and we do also hear that Jane has some guy who's worked at the that I remember when I it, ba it baffled me. What is the meaning of this? He's getting me into water skiing. Like, what are you supposed <laughs> to take away from that? Just <laughs> learning how to relax on some level or Maybe. something. Do I something. just thought, um, oh no, someone. he's he's burdening her with another de destined to fail <laughs> entanglement <laughs> because he's mean to her ultimately. <laughs> oh he wow, being James L. Brooks. Wow. Oh wow. Um, and we have Aaron because and she kind of except for the fat part. She is the single lady that, mm, yeah. you know, which is considered in this movie a bad fate. Yeah. Meanwhile, Aaron found someone. Tom right. found someone. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. And we have Aaron and Jane and the camera kind of pulls away and it's actually sort of frames out as it as it shrinks. And yeah. we get the feeling which I did that she's lonely and not happy because yeah. in the James L. Brooks world, you have to be with a romantic partner. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the reception of this movie is obviously a huge hit. Yeah. It's nominated for a whole bunch of stuff. Picture, actor, actress, supporting actor, screenplay, editing, cinematography, and it lost them all. Yeah. Didn't yeah. win anything. Holly Hunter didn't even nope. get Holly she Hunter, nominated. She lost to Cher for Moonstruck. Ridiculous. I agree. I never liked Moonstruck that Ridiculous. much. It's fine. There's that one moment where she slaps him and says snap out of That's it, which clip. is the great moment. But other than that, yeah. I'm so like Nicolas Cage was irritating then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Last Emperor wins Best Picture and all the technical Last stuff. Last Emperor, my <laughs> God. My God, why? Why? Uh, a criterion film. Yes. Um, Bernardo Bertolucci. That is worse than like the Shakespeare in Love versus what was it? Shakespeare in Love. Saving Private Ryan. I don't even know if it's that is, to me, that's one of the most ridiculous things. I mean, I saw The Last Emperor. Mm -hmm. I mean, Last Emperor is one of those, it's a huge sweeping epic. Yeah, it's a it's David Putnam special. And I don't think I've seen it since the 80s. Yeah, and you don't want um, to, do you? Uh, my, Michael Douglas. <laughs> well, I won't tell Michael you both Douglas. that I own it, but go okay, ahead. Okay, fine. <laughs> but my, how many times have you watched? Probably 
20, 30 times. Oh my God, you are a yeah. But I also love Gandhi. So I, I, oh, I, I watch love, Gandhi I like randomly Gandhi. all the time. Um, Michael Douglas beats uh, William Hurt for uh, Wall Street, that Gordon Gekko. That makes sense. And Sean Connery in The Untouchables beats Albert Brooks. No one was going to beat Sean Connery. Ugh. Albert Brooks is beach he's comedy. great but you know what this is so wrong the way they treat comedy or comedic totally roles agree. oh yeah like Eddie Murphy in my opinion should have one for Bowfinger he's brilliant in that oh, movie so great absolutely yeah, absolutely and yet because it's a comedy they're totally dismissive mm-hmm. so um we're at the point of uh final thoughts John do you have final thoughts on <laughs> really broadcast we got news? there finally we got there, yeah. <laughs> I think we were longer than the movie <laughs> we are <laughs> welcome to Cinevault yeah um Here's what I would say. I, uh, it's a film that I thoroughly love, still love. Having done it now with you two, it's uh, a new way to look at it, which is what I enjoy about the great films. They can always be analyzed and reanalyzed, but still appreciated. And even if you feel uncomfortable about things, because our our line keeps changing, uh, I, I, I think it speaks volumes about this film. And if you're a political junkie or a news junkie, there's enough in here for you to connect to and understand and feel real, but also the way it explore, explores relationships, uh, romantic relationships, friendships, and the psychosis that people go through when they're ascending any ladder because uh, the stakes get higher and higher, so your psychosis gets more and more exposed. Uh, it does a great job of doing that, in my opinion, and I enjoy thoroughly the performances, acting-wise, from everybody in this film, from the smaller actors to the... I mean, those we didn't even talk about those dudes doing the doing the theme song, the that little song. scene, which is brilliant. Yeah. But all of that kind of stuff is what peppers and creates a beautiful film, and I think Broadcast News is a beautiful film with still a very powerful message to speak about, to, to say about uh, commercial versus authenticity, and, and that's what's so great about the film for me. Kim, what do you think? Do you have final thoughts on this film? My final thoughts? Well, it's in some ways confounding. We've talked about the ways in which it is confounding, but it is still absolutely brilliant. I forgive it everything. (laughs) And uh, it makes me a little sad just in that, you know, even if you can do whatever on Netflix or HBO or any number of places, this this was a theatrical experience that Mm. you just, it's not, it's kind of done. Even if the theaters are still there, you're not going to see that with, yeah. as I said earlier, in with those production values in a movie theater, I don't think it's just not going to. I mean, so we get. I'm not saying I, I love The Crown or whatever, mm. but or you know the millions of th- the Wire. I mean, greatest thing ever made for television, in my opinion. Mm. I don't. I'm not disparaging that, but that, but the theatrical experience of the collective, you know, watching of this film and the laughter, yeah. it, and that it's adult, sophisticated important boy i miss that hmm. yeah that that's that's very much what i was going to say too is that this is a movie that that says you can have a movie that is romantic comedic that is dealing with a workplace that is dealing with men and women in their roles that has this powerful mm-hmm. female character at the center of it that is funny that is smart that and then has these themes about the news and about you know where our media is going and do all of those things all at the same time all in one movie and put it all up on a screen and nobody makes these movies mm. i mean there's things like this on tv they can do a small version of it and it's good yeah. or but, great i mean it's like an independent films there is no small version of this yeah, film. no this is a big hollywood movie that everybody went to see and mm-hmm. it's so sad that we don't have these kinds of shared experiences anymore yeah, that's why Gone Girl was such an anomaly when it came out because it was not all the gangbusters explosions. It, the script Just was what really it was. Good, yeah, yeah R-rated film that explored this very complex situation. Yeah. So 
That's what we think about broadcast news. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. You can reach us on Facebook, or search for The Cinephiles. You can subscribe to us at all the usual places, iTunes and YouTube. Please leave a review for us on iTunes. If you want to support the show and even pick a movie that, we're gonna, that we talk about, you can visit us on patreon.com slash The Cinephiles. If you want to reach me, you can do so on Twitter at SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? You can always reach me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. That's R-O-C-H-A. Uh, see all the shows that I'm hosting and talking about and all the stuff I do at Collider. And Kim, we talked about uh, Twitter and stuff. Would you like to give them your... Uh... I'm just at Kim Masters. Well, that's really is. easy. Um, I cannot tell you how much fun this has been. I love yeah. talking about the film with you. Love having you on the show. I hope it's okay that we went <laughs> with a really long conversation. I, I just don't... I, I have no idea how to what to compare it with, but yes, it was a long conversation. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. Pleasure. Really appreciate having you here, and I think that's it for this time. We will see you next week on The Cinephiles. <laughs>